This week on Sci-Fi with Jesse Mercury, the one and only Jane Smith makes her first full appearance on the show. Here we go. Hey, that rhyme. Jesse Mercury, thank you for joining us. This week I'm joined by Jane Smith, who's been a good friend of mine since long before I started this podcast, and I am very happy to report that she has finally finally accepted my invitation to join us for a sci-fi nerdy conversation. Uh, Jane and I, as you will hear, have a bit of a fantasy book club together where she lends me books and I read them, and it's great for me. Um, <laughs> so we talk a little bit about fantasy as well, because I do love me some fantasy. I love some fantasy. And we talked a lot about Joss Whedon, because that girl loves her some Joss Whedon. And I love me some Joss Whedon. God damn it, Firefly. It's so fucking good. I recorded something special for you at the very end of the episode that I want to make sure you you listen for. So if you're the type of person who likes to skip things around, uh, check that part out. I think you'll enjoy it. I'm very excited to share it with you. And yeah, so here we go. Jane Smith, my friend, talking about all sorts of sci-fi fantasy Joss Whedon uh, nerd stuff. Here we go. Jane Smith, yes. welcome to the podcast. I finally have an episode on you the podcast. I'm very excited. <laughs> I've been trying to convince you to come on the show for so long. It's true. And I had a little cameo in The Happening. Yeah, um, in The Trial of the Happening. Yeah. But and I got really... I, I had a couple people tell me, like, who is that Jane girl? I really liked her on, <laughs> on The Happening episode. I'm like, I know, she's great. She should come on the podcast. Oh, that's crazy. I, I tried to listen to it for a second, um, and I just can't listen to myself talk some oh, no. people have that where just the sound of their own voice is just not acceptable <laughs> and yeah. i don't know if i can go back and listen to anything that i actually oh no say i do not have that <laughs> that's good that would be very uncomfortable for you i have the opposite the of that business. i have this thing where i'm like if i'm listening to other people talk and it's not me talking i'm like that should be me talking <laughs> <laughs> yeah hence so. i have three podcasts We'll see how today goes. I'm very excited about it. I'm pretty excited too. Yeah. Talking so about all our favorite things. Tell me, tell me like a brief history of Jane. Who are you for people who don't know you? Oh. You just uh, made the most terrified <laughs> face. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. That's no super introvert. Doesn't want to talk about that. But uh, <laughs> let's see. So I love books. Um, my introduction to sci-fi really was through books as a kid. Um, I just ate up everything in my path nice. and so i i try to dabble in everything that i can but sci-fi was my first love really yeah. i always thought that was fantasy for you um fantasy is where i'm more at now okay but as a kid i would eat up you know arthur c clark and just all the old school stuff that i could find awesome yeah. have you read the uh you must have read like 2001 and that whole yeah quadrilogy yes yes yeah um, that was really fun and rama that series was oh i haven't read that oh it's it's great um it goes off into some religious uh tangents but 
for the most part, it's an advanced alien species that sends time cap capsules out into the universe that are spaceships, and they cool. collect other species to do research, Whoa. and they bring them back and kind of like see what's going on out in the far reaches of the universe through these spaceships. Oh my god, that's a cool premise. It's wonderful. The first book is kind of standalone, um, and then he jumps in later, kind of like with the 2001 series, where he picks up at later points in time uh -huh. and sees how it affected the world and, and with a brand new crew that kind of sees stuff later on. But, oh, interesting. That's yeah. really cool. I might check that out. Yeah. I haven't read the 2001 series in decades, but... Oh, yeah. It was probably 20 years ago for me, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah. The first one in particular, the actual novelization of 2001 mm -hmm. is fucking brilliant. I remember yes. that being incredible. Yes. Um... I only remember snippets of the entire series now, but I will always think of that when Jupiter is ever mentioned, anything uh -huh. related to diamonds, anything with the Beatles, it just instantly clicks Arthur C. Clarke in my mind. <laughs> if That's you, cool. Uh, for anyone who's read the the later books, um, I you'll know barely, what I'm talking about. But. <laughs> I barely remember them. Like yeah. I, That didn't even click for me what you just said. Oh, I, I know I've read them. Yeah. I'm, I remember liking 2010 a lot. Mm -hmm. The third one is what, 2063 or something? I think it's 2061, and then it jumps to 3001. 3001. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. I remember I think the it's third... 3001 that um, really <laughs> went off the rails. Went off the rails because the third book is when things happen to Jupiter, and then diamonds are like, they use it for everything. They make like space elevators, and just, <laughs> it's. I don't even remember any of this. The Were there dolphins right? in the third book, or am I crazy? I'm probably thinking of Hitchhiker's I think, Guide. I think you're thinking of Hitchhiker's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so long and thanks for the fish. Um, I remember the third book being really weird. And then the fourth book is when one of the one of the uh, like crew members from the original ship in 2001 mm -hmm. like, comes like back. unfrozen or regenerated or yeah. cloned. I don't remember. I don't it's remember been so long anything. now, too. But yeah, I, yeah, that was like a seminal series for me as a kid that just yeah. shaped and now i have no details <laughs> it's this is so what happens funny. when you get old it's so funny because like <laughs> i i was just thinking the same thing like 2001 was a seminal book for me yeah i saw the movie and i like i i was just enthralled i right. fucking loved that movie right and then i read the book and the book is so good in a completely different way because i know arthur c clark and uh and what's his name who made the movie kubrick yeah stanley kubrick yeah. worked together on the story and the mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, you have like one of the best filmmakers ever and one of the greatest sci-fi writers ever yes. working on a story together. And I that, mean, it's going to be awesome, right? <laughs> absolutely. I totally agree. And that's actually jumping point for my other favorite uh, sci-fi work, which was The Abyss, which oh, was James Cameron, James Cameron and Orson Scott Card. They what? worked. I have the novelization. Of I did the not Abyss, know that. And they actually worked together. It's mostly James Cameron, but they bounced back and forth a lot of ideas. And Orson Scott Card actually had some some insight into the plot. And so Whoa. they worked together for the final product. No way. Yeah. Orson Scott Card, of course, the author of Ender's Game. Ender's Game, yes. That's fucking cool. So I have to admit, I've only seen half of The Abyss. <gasps> oh my God. Well, yeah. Can we can we watch that later? Totally. Absolutely. Uh, Let's watch it and then can favorite. we do a podcast about that later as Absolute, long as you enjoy yourself today? Absolutely. Yes. Um, I watched half of it and then I was watching it with someone that I was dating and then we split up and then oh, I just never finished so it. So now you just have a version for that movie. You just think of like that person. 
Uh, I'm not necessarily. Yeah. I think of like just confusion. I think of Bill Paxton when I think of <laughs> the abyss. The first thing that comes to mind is Bill Paxton, and then uh, like weird water well, goo stuff. Ed, I love the first half. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Have you not seen the the last half? It was the, only the first half that you saw. Only the first half. Yeah. It's gonna change your whole experience. Like life oh, is gonna be wait. different for you after you see the second <laughs> half of the abyss. Yeah, I mean, for such a for as big of a sci-fi fan as I am, mm-hmm. I have a lot. I mean, there's just a lot I haven't seen. It's mm-hmm. impossible. Well, there's, there's so, so much, much out there. It's impossible to see everything. One human can't possibly experience all of it. So, totally. Yeah. But it's great to. I love. Uh, I love watching things for the first time and then recording a podcast about it because it's like the ultimate way to experience yeah. a and new get, piece of sci-fi. You get to kind of crystallize that moment because the first time you see it may not be the same as the twentieth time that you see it. You know? Right. Totally. Yeah. Every, yeah. Because the last episode was all about Star Wars and yeah. like trying to put my mind back into the first time I'd seen Star Wars was really mm-hmm. hard because there's just decades of, of like, you have so much backstory that I've done over Star Wars where I just keep reading and reading and reading and, right. you know, like the original, the original experience is just like a one of a kind thing that you can only have once. Mm-hmm. Does that ever stress you out where it's like, I can only Watching watch this for movie the for the first time once and I have to be ready and prepared. Uh, no. Sorry. Hold on one second. I think that was my kombucha. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was like a water pipe or something. I, uh, so uh, I, I mean, I'm assuming that noise will be in the episode, but there was this weird, like, hissing sound. Yeah. I'm like, what is that? And I thought that it was background noise, because sometimes I get the radio, and yeah. I'm, like, listening to this in headphones right now. And then I realized that was my kombucha Your hissing kombucha at me. kombucha was trained to make a break for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, let me out of this bottle <laughs> and drink me. Mm. I'm drinking this uh, Euphoria by Synergy. It's a new one I've never had, but it's got cayenne pepper in it. And oh. for some reason... So when I opened it, it was, like very yeah. bubbly mm-hmm. and then i started taking sips of the bubbles and that's where all of the cayenne pepper was <laughs> oh no so this it's... kombucha has been an intense experience so far right but it's very good excellent okay what were we talking we were talking about the abyss oh uh first experiences of a movie right yeah so i don't really feel stressed out about that um i don't know it's never really come up before for something that's like this is the first time I'm experiencing this and I'll never get it back. I'm just, when I love something, I'm excited to go back and watch it again almost immediately. Yeah. I, I've had movie experiences where it's like, I the credits roll, I need to go back to the beginning and watch it again right now because totally. there are things <laughs> that I know that I missed, but I don't care. I just want to absorb as much of it as I possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That. That happened to me recently with The Expanse, where I finished season one, and mm-hmm. I immediately went back and watched it again, because mm-hmm. I was like, fucking A. That was fucking awesome. <laughs> that show was brilliant. Now, I have only seen season one. Me too. I'm saving season two for later, but um, fabulous. It was so emotional the entire yeah. time. You are feeling about 10 different things for any one given character at every point throughout the show. Like <laughs> totally. there's no, there's no, Oh, that person's the good guy. I yeah. am rooting for them. It's, totally. you know, that person is so nuanced and complex and they have a rich history that you only have a glimpse of. So you're not sure exactly what to think, but you're, I don't know. 
ambivalent about everyone all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. They're incredibly well-drawn characters. Mm -hmm. Um, I've read a little bit about it. I read the, I read the first book, Mm -hmm. which was a really weird experience because the first book covers, I I assume also season two, like season one of the show is the first half of the first book. So I don't really know how it's arranged from there, Right. but I read the whole first book and I loved the first half of the book because it was what I'd seen in the show. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, extra information, like learning why all Martians have Texan accents was so fucking cool. Right. <laughs> and was something like made explicitly clear in the book that I didn't really pick up on in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, but you only uh, ever see a few Martians, really. There's like one episode with the crew of the Donager and then right. you've got Alex, who he could just be a one-off for all you know. Totally. And were, I, there weren't any Texan accents on the Donager, were there? Not really. I don't think so. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's just Alex. Yeah. And I didn't even realize he had a Texas accent the first time I watched it. Right. You I mean, like, he he's, got a, funny. Yeah. he's got a space drawl. <laughs> <laughs> he's a space cowboy. It's natural. It's totally. Fine. But yeah, mm-hmm. I guess he's supposed to have a Texas accent because mm-hmm. a bunch of Martians, like the, there was this big Texas colony that was one of the biggest on Mars when it was right. first colonized. And, and they kind of took spread. over. Yeah. yeah. So it kind of became like a Martian accent almost. I'm like, that's fucking cool detail. I right. love that shit. World building. Right yeah. There. But the second half of the book, I didn't enjoy as much because... I feel like the show is so much better. It's just mm. so much like the storytelling is so much better and the way yeah. that they present characters is more detailed and in depth and uh, the acting is so good and mm. the world is so visually and texturally rich. They did a fabulous job with that show. The writing, the casting, costumes, props, just so I, good. I love every detail of that show. There's like you really feel like connected to the OPA in a weird way as the underdogs. Right. Mostly I think because they kind of dress a little, like a little punk rock. Mm-hmm. It's and almost like cyberpunk. Yeah, like totally. Asteroid cyberpunk. <laughs> and as someone who lives in Seattle, who gets along the best with people who look punk rock, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of them in Seattle. Yeah. Like if I see someone who's wearing a vest and buttons and shit, I'm like, you're going to be cool. I'm yeah. going to be friends. We're with friends. You. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for some reason I feel that way about OPA. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, like the hairstyles, the mm-hmm. the costume design, everything about it just makes me want to live in that world, mm-hmm. you know? Even though it seems like a shitty place to be, I still want to be there. Right, that's the ass end of the universe for yeah, them. But totally. they make it work, you know? Yeah. It, it's kind of like a Firefly vibe where Absolutely. these guys have like the most rough handout in life that there that there can be like they're scrabbling every day for water for air just right. for like the basic necessities that you need to live yeah and you know there's a little bit of other language thrown in and everything yeah, is all gritty totally um, yeah i remember watching it for the first time and feeling like i was getting firefly back yes and in, in a in a way that like Firefly's just baby. Just felt so good. Just yeah. like passing the torch. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I felt that way for the first... I know that you don't feel this way, but I felt that way for the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> we talked about this a lot when it came out. Oh, fresh um, wound. I, I just, yeah. I stopped watching. I gave up. I have a love-hate relationship with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, I just... I'll, I'll go back to it every once in a while and give it another shot because I <laughs> want it to be good. Right. And it's got some amazing moments. Totally. Um, This most recent season I watched all of because there's some really interesting things that they did. Is that the Ghost Rider was. I think that was last season. Or maybe they split it in half. Okay. Um, I I gave up like two or three episodes before the end of the Hive arc. 
Uh, oh, I was just like, so God fucking damn it. I'm yeah. so sick so of this show. Of this, yeah. I'm so sick of the bad guys becoming the good guys, becoming the bad guys. It's like heroes becoming a where different you flip bad flop. guy. Yeah, oh, God. Like, exactly. It yeah, was just like heroes. Just like, it has hero syndrome. Oh. Heroes, I thought, redeemed itself in season four, just like a hair. Mm-hmm. I gave up. I never went back to heroes. That's, after, that's fine. I want to say season two, three. Season two was terrible season three was atrocious yeah it might have been i watched it all but oh my god season one is brilliant season one of heroes is yes still one of my favorite seasons of tv Mm -hmm. um but yeah oh my god they had had a contained story that they were trying to tell and then after that it's like they had no idea what they were doing they were just grasping at straws trying to get viewership totally it was it it was so yeah i guess the like tim kring the creator Mm -hmm. had a plan in mind for season two, which was to reintroduce a complete new set of heroes and do like tell a different story about people right. finding their powers. And there was this huge backlash against that idea. People wanted the same characters. People wanted the same characters. People mm-hmm. wanted Peter Petrelli and his amazing yeah. hair. I, right? But then they brought him back and they shaved his head. And I'm like, fuck you. Then what's My the favorite thing about this show was his <laughs> hair and it's gone. What am I supposed to watch now? Yeah. Do you remember a super bear. when he had that girlfriend that he like left in an alternate future? And she just like was left there. They just wrote the the actress out. I don't. I don't remember. I wrote most of the show out of my mind. That's <laughs> wise. Um, it was so aggravating. Yeah. Ugh. Gross. Okay, so you got into sci-fi very oh, young through books. With, with books, yeah. When did you get into sci-fi TV? Like, was that or what? What did you get into as a kid? Man, I don't. Even, I don't know this about you. Probably the X Files. Really um, was cool. A jumping point for. I mean, it's not super sci-fi, but it's. It dabbles. Oh, it's it's def- like noir yeah. sci-fi. It's totally, yeah. yeah. It's like Monster of the Week sci-fi. Yes. Although the, the cons- I guess it's like government conspiracy is such a big part of that show. Yeah. And that part doesn't necessarily feel super sci-fi-ish because it's like a government conspiracy about a sci-fi thing, but it really just feels like a government conspiracy about right. shit, like you're you know? You're taken away from the aliens. Just show me the other stuff. <laughs> oh, I love I love the government conspiracy stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. I like the... the th- the episodes that were i've only watched i think half the show but okay. the episodes that were focused on the government conspiracy like the overarching like yeah. smoking man yeah stuff i love that on. stuff okay. i loved it i uh, i watched pretty much all of the x-files i haven't seen any of the new stuff uh-huh. because i can't i really? liked it i like, like the new stuff i i don't know i'm having a hard time i watched one of the movies <clears throat> i think it was the second movie oh yeah i didn't um, see that i heard that was terrible it ruined it for me yeah. like their story for me was done and they were just opening this back up for no purpose. Yeah. There was no, like the movie didn't need to happen. Yeah. It was a waste of time. (laughs) So I don't know. It just feels more complete to not go back into the new stuff. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Like it starts with Mulder being super depressed and Mm -hmm. in like a really bad place. And well, then kind of yeah. reconnecting with Scully is what sort of brings him out of this personal darkness. Okay. And then reconnecting with the X-Files because he's been completely disconnected from it. Right. Uh, and it felt really good. Like, it felt... It, it was a... As, you know... I'm like a moderate X-Files fan because I never finished the show because right. I got... Uh, I, I intend to go back and finish it, but it was a weird thing that happened where I took a little break because I was, like, getting a little a little worn out on it. And then you couldn't get yourself to pick it back up and then i forgot everything i'm like well now i have to start over <laughs> you know I'm like it's been a year since i watched x files i really want to watch it but i don't remember i actually tried to watch the next episode i'm like what the fuck is going on so yeah. 
Now I feel like I have to go back and start over, which is okay because I loved, you know, season season two was incredible. I'd love to see it again. Mm-hmm. But I really want to get through at least like season seven because I hear that uh, six. I've, I've watched, I think, one through four or five, but okay. I haven't seen six or seven. And I hear those are good. And then I hear that you should not watch eight or nine besides maybe like a couple of episodes. The last few seasons are hard. Yeah. They change up the main characters like it's right. still the x-files but you're missing scully or it's still the x-files <laughs> and you're missing Mulder. they or, tried to pull a doctor who and they failed yeah it's it's not the same you can't just regenerate humans <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> we buy it for a time lord but not humans oh man there that reminds me of something in the new season they meet a young couple of detectives who are exactly like them when they were younger oh, that's funny and it's uh it's it's great it's so wonderful <laughs> and it's the red-headed uh actress from uh six feet under that's not specific. There's a couple of them. The 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 daughter. Seen, oh, okay, you haven't I seen, haven't seen Six Feet Under. Um, yeah, she's so good in yeah. the X Files. It's really cool. I think she was in two episodes. And yes. I'm really excited for the next season. I think you might okay. like it if you watch it. It sounds like they gave it some love. I might yeah. have to go back in and, and try it again. But yeah, my dad actually got me into the X Files, and he's the one who got me into books as a kid too. So I guess I nice. owe all of my sci-fi love to my dad. <laughs> Is your dad like a big a big reader, sci-fi nerd person? Um, not hugely but he really encouraged it in me oh um, cool so did you show an interest and in he I, I showed an interest and up? he kind of fostered that and that's great like you need to keep doing that because it's awesome <laughs> nice did you ever get into any of the well you must i mean i know you're into star wars um i i don't know i was never like super into it uh-huh. i appreciated it yeah but i feel like there's a level of fandom where people inhale everything that they can like all right, the details and totally and i appreciated it but i didn't jump down the rabbit hole of i have to i only ever read a few of the extended universe mm-hmm. novels um like the thrawn and um yeah the must read the, trilogy. The, the must read and you know the uh courtship of princess leia oh yeah yeah and so i, I read a few of them i read that one like and, twice and then it's all dead now that the extended canon yeah. is gone. So yeah. It's so hard to go in there. For anyone who's not familiar, when Disney bought Star Wars and started making new Star Wars movies, I'm looking at you, but I'm talking to I listeners. Know. It's weird. <laughs> for everyone out there. Yeah. That's listening right now. <laughs> uh, so there was this like rich history of Star Wars expanded universe novels that were supposed to be officially in the Star Wars timeline, according to it George Lucas. It yeah, was it was canon. Uh, and then when Disney bought Star Wars, they changed that and they said, this is no longer canon, uh, which I understand and I support their decision because how are they supposed to make The Force Awakens an interesting movie if we all know if we know what's what happens, supposed to happen? You know, 60 years in the future because it's already been written in the books. Totally. Yeah. And the books have gone past they that. Have to, so they have yeah. to be able to start from scratch. Totally. I so I respect that decision. And then they changed the expanded universe to. Uh, Star Wars Legends, I think they call it. Mm. Um, so now there's it's like, like an alternate timeline. Yeah, it's like an alternate timeline. Mm. And I, I have so many fond memories of. I read so many books. I probably read like forty something Star Wars there books. There are a lot. Yeah, in yeah. in what is now Legends. Is it Legends or Legacy? I think it's Legends. I, Who cares? I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I read one of the new ones. I just read Catalyst, the Rogue One tie-in book. Oh, good. and it was fucking terrible oh. it was terrible it was one of the most boring books That's i've read in so long like it didn't even feel like star wars characters were talking about wearing high heels and renting apartments 
I'm like, what the fuck is this? That's not the Star Wars we know and love. Totally. Speaking of that, um, I can't remember now if it was, I think it's part of the new stuff, but Kevin Hearn, one of my favorite authors who does a urban fantasy series called Iron Druid Chronicles. Amazing. Oh, yeah. If you guys haven't read it, I, it. You lent me a bunch of, I read yeah. all Super but fun. like the last one or two. Yeah. I liked them a lot. They're really fun. Really yeah. Fun. But he wrote a Star Wars book. What? Um, cool. No. No? No. I, I got really excited. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, I love this guy. Yeah. So I'm going to read it, and it's not good. Oh, no. Don't, don't read it. <laughs> they make them write these things so fucking fast. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's hard to write a good book in that sort of a framework. Mm-hmm. It, it made me, I was really discouraged from reading any more of the new novels because I mm-hmm. was so disappointed by Catalyst. It was just like, it didn't really add anything to the Rogue One story. A little bit of backstory about... uh Galen Erso and mm. um, Krennic. Okay. But I felt like the backstory was implied in the movie and I didn't need to see them, right. you know, as younger men being sort that of friends. That story didn't need to be fleshed out at all. I Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I take, well, the way that they fleshed it out, I didn't need, you know, mm. at all. Because it was just boring and stupid and okay. pointless. But I feel like if they had gotten those two actors and done a whole other movie just about those two characters, I would have been 100% on board. Because yeah, I love those characters well. in the movie. Yeah, the, like I loved yeah. Galen Erso. I loved Orson mm-hmm. Krennic. I thought they yeah. were fascinating characters. Mm-hmm. And their like, their strange affinity with each other was so interesting to me. And I, I was so excited to read the book. And then it was just mm-hmm. exactly what I guessed it would be and nothing else, you know. Uh, like they had gone to school together and they were sort of friends. And Krennic is just kind of manipulating uh, Galen the whole time to, to work enough. on his project. The de- which is going to turn into the Death Star project. I don't know. Right. It was like, if I had to write a book... That was preceding Rogue One and I had two weeks to write it. That's probably what I would have done. Mm. Something kind of shitty and terrible. And right. I, But like, I'm not There's a writer, you no know? No soul in it at all. I, there was no soul. Yeah. Mm. I was so bored and frustrated. But it made me not want to read the others. That's unfortunate. Yeah. I just got mad thinking about it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the one that Kevin Hearn wrote was Heir to the Jedi. And I'm pretty sure the entire story is about Luke. I couldn't read the whole thing. Um, so I Jedi. don't know. Is that in the old or the new canon? I'm pretty sure it's new because it okay. was a f- it was a couple years ago. Yeah, it's like two years ago maybe. I read. Uh, so I actually stopped reading Expanded Universe when the prequels came out because mm-hmm. it was just like horrible, <laughs> and I just didn't want to be involved. <laughs> yeah, I just don't like. The wound it, was too fresh. Yeah, like there's a weird texture to the prequels that I hate. You know. Uh, I it's can't, too smooth. I can't quite put my finger on it. Like the original Star Wars that everybody loves is gritty and kind of dark and yeah. lived in. Yeah. And the prequels are like shiny and fresh and just everything sparkles. Yeah. And yeah, you know, I guess like we don't want sparkles. I, I think about uh, I think about the pre I think about what I would have done for prequel to Star Wars mm-hmm. and I love the idea of showing the more civilized age you know that Obi-Wan references in episode 4 right and, um, and I feel like they attempted it's supposed to be like a golden age of yeah totally like peace and everything but totally but I would have made it feel gritty and real somehow right. which I feel like they completely missed the mark on it felt on. like it was wrapped in plastic there was totally. just there was like no emotion no or character at all yeah yeah so I really hate those movies I, well, I strongly dislike them. I kind of like episode three a little bit, but but I, I hate moments. it. I hate it more than I like it. You know, right? There are there are moments in all three movies that I actually really love, which mm-hmm. is why I'm so upset about it. Is because like 
I want the Darth Maul, Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon fight to be mm-hmm. a part of canon because I fucking love it. It's so good. Right. But I want the rest of that movie kind of wiped out of canon because I dislike it so much. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's weird. I haven't seen any of them in a very, very long time. But Yeah. Well, anyway, so I read one novelization in the expanded universe for the prequels, which was part of the old canon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was written by Timothy Zahn, and it was oh. uh, something about Obi-Wan... I think Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon before episode one, if I'm remembering correctly. And it was good. I liked it. It well, wasn't... he was one of the best writers in that... Oh, absolutely. ...in that whole universe. Yeah. I think Thrawn was in that book also. Oh, yeah. So, it was pretty cool. But I still... Even though the book was good, I still didn't quite like it because it was prequel stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't like my prequel stuff to mix with my original trilogy <laughs> stuff. With, I, I don't like to be reminded, you know? Love. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm getting over that though, because The Force Awakens did a little bit of that, and I wasn't upset about it, and it kind of made it feel better. Yeah, I think they were trying to make everybody happy, like yeah. the younger generation who grew up with the prequels, and everybody who knows, you know, the original stuff from their childhood, and they needed a jumping point for where the rest of the the episodes are going. Yeah, to make everybody happy. Did you like it? I did. The Force Awakens. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I really did like it. Um, There was a moment. Okay, so I listened to your previous uh, episode with Andy. Uh And there was a moment when you guys mentioned that um, George Lucas has contradicted himself about how many episodes there (laughs) were originally going to be. And that clicked for me because when I was probably eight or nine years old, someone told me, that there were originally supposed to be nine episodes of Star Wars. Yeah. And that we only saw the middle three. Yeah. And so I always expected for there to be one, two, and three, and then seven, eight, nine at some point. Like, I just assumed that that was going to happen. Yeah. And then everyone else is like, what are you talking about? There, <laughs> right. there was only ever supposed to be six. Yeah. But I remember being told as a child that there right. were nine. That happened. So, yeah. George Lucas said nine at one point. Yeah. That definitely happened. But by the time he finished Return of the Jedi, he was like angry and bitter and wanted out. He's and he's just like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> um, apparently, he was going through a really bad divorce during um, Return of the Jedi. And it, uh, or no, maybe it was during Empire Strikes Back. I think he went through the divorce during Empire Strikes Back, but apparently his wife was a huge, his, his first wife was a huge creative influence on Star Wars. Oh. And she wasn't around to edit him she, during she Jedi. During the third. Yeah. I read this article about how maybe her influence was why the first two Star Wars movies are so different from Jedi and so far removed from the prequels. That's interesting. Because I feel like you can see the stupidity of the prequels starting to sneak into Return of the Jedi just a little bit. I love Return of the Jedi so much, but Mm -hmm. it's a little stupid sometimes. Like the Ewoks. It's campy. Yeah, I love the Ewoks too, but I, I, I have a hard time uh, with Ewoks fighting stormtroopers, like I can't quite you can't wrap my brain around suspend that. Suspend <laughs> your disbelief that much, like yeah. you can bend it, but yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's really uh, I, Star Wars history is really fascinating to me because George mm-hmm. Lucas is such a an enigmatic and contradictory personality, mm-hmm. and yet he created one of the greatest things uh, ever. You yeah, know? it's really it's interesting. Like the most beloved sci-fi universe out there for sure yeah next to i mean i guess it's equal with star trek but i think star wars is more beloved than star trek yeah on a wide i think more people like are into star wars than star trek but i think the star trek fandom is more intense yeah. i think the people that get into star trek love it well I, that's not fair to say i mean i'm 
I'm talking about myself. I'm a little more intense for Star Trek than Star Wars, <laughs> yeah. so I assume that everyone's that way. But that's right. not true. Right. I, but I think that maybe as a generalization to say that the Star Trek fandom is a little smaller, but maybe a little bit more fervent, might might be somewhere near accurate based off of what I see. From my experience, that sounds yeah. pretty correct. Did you ever get into Star Trek? No. Um, well, I watched Voyager for a little while. Is that um, the only one you watched? I've seen some episodes of The Next Generation. That's so funny. Um, That's an interesting one to watch. Uh, what brought you... So, as a non-Star Trek fan, what brought you to that? It was just on TV at, yeah. like, a, t- a window when I was, you know, flipping channels. And, you know, I just stumbled upon it one day. I was probably, you know, 10 or 11. And yeah. I just thought, oh, man, it's a female captain. It's cool. space. That's fun. Let's watch this. I love that, actually. I think yeah. that's so cool. Like, I, yeah. I imagine... If I were a girl and Star Trek Voyager came on, I'd be like, what? <laughs> yeah, it was it was really nice to see. Like, that just never happened. Yeah. You know? And she's a great character. Yeah, Janeway is amazing. I It's so frustrating that that show kind of went off the rails for me. Okay, I didn't watch the entire thing. So, there, yeah. I know there's some stuff at the end that I just have no reference to. I won't spoil it for you. Thank you. But when I was a kid, I watched the first three seasons mm-hmm. and stopped. Um, no, that's not true. I stopped during season four because I stopped... It was when Seven of Nine was there that I stopped watching. Mm, yeah. uh, I just loved Kess so much and was kind of heartbroken mm. when she was replaced by Seven of Nine. And I was a little frustrated that Seven was kind of like a, I don't know, they like UPN, I think. I think it was on UPN. They were like advertising, this hot new woman is coming to Star Trek. I'm right. like, God, this fucking sucks. That's like, completely not what the show's about, guys. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it embarrassed me. And it kind of takes away from like the strong powerful female character that the captain is and it's just like oh look this sex object who has you know football boobs totally and that's completely distracting from the point yeah so i stopped watching i came back to it years later and finished it uh i watched the whole thing start to finish when i moved to seattle Mm -hmm. um i actually i i did my second watch through of deep space nine when i moved to seattle and then watched voyager right after yeah and then i watched enterprise after that it was fucking great um (laughs) which i'd seen like Voyager, I hadn't seen all the way through, so it was it was time. But mm-hmm. Enterprise and Deep Space Nine, I'd seen before, and it was okay. so cool to watch them again. Right. I think I had watched Next Generation before coming to Seattle on my second or third watch through the whole show, and then I watched the original series after I watched Enterprise. Oh wow! So you just did everything. I did it all. Yeah, yeah, just yeah I did it all. It. I'd seen a bunch of it before, but there was a period where I watched every episode of Star Trek, like it was a project. Wow, uh, that's a long it. project. That's including the original se- or the commitment. animated series. The animated series is weird. It's an animated series? I yeah, have no idea. Yeah, it's like 20 something episodes. Mm. It's all the original cast except for one. I think Chekhov isn't in it, if I remember correctly. Mm. I'm not 100% sure now. It's been years since I watched it. But Interesting. There's like two or three good episodes, and like, but they're really good and they're really right. cool. And then a bunch of like, eh, that was okay. At and least- then a bunch of like, holy shit, that's bad episodes. Like, like Star, Star Wars Trek. Christmas bad with like no Wookie? okay we never get Star Wars Christmas bad that's okay. a unique brand of bad <laughs> um so that's interesting so you watch Voyager for a while yeah and then what well, so what I know about you and your fandom is that you're just like a massive Joss Whedon person Joss Whedon is my master um, <laughs> there are some exceptions I have tried several times to get all the way through Dollhouse and I can't yeah. <laughs> Um, despite my love for him. Um, but yeah, Joss Whedon is where it's at. I'm 
a little interested to see what he's going to do with the end of um, uh, Justice League. Justice League, picking up for Zack Snyder. Yeah, so, what a strange story. Yeah, to it's have so a project sad. like 85% done and yeah. then be handed this someone else's baby and be like, what can you do with this? Yeah. So Zack Snyder was like, he's done all these DC movies so far, mm-hmm. except for Wonder Woman, which is the only one that people seem to like. Right. Um, but then I, he had a family tragedy. I think his, what, did his daughter his, die? I believe committed suicide. Oh my God. That's horrible. Yeah. It's very tragic. And you know, you feel for the guy as a father, obviously he needs to be with his family right now, but there's also a little relief as a, as for an audience member to be like, okay, you did a horrendous job with all these other movies. (laughs) Let's bring in a fresh voice and see, because Joss Whedon was a script doctor for most of his career. He would help other people, fix things yeah like what movies did toy he story were, oh yeah toy story i think didn't he mm-hmm. do no jj abrams did one of the like the fourth alien movie no it was joss whedon was it joss whedon it's the bad one. <laughs> oh, it is joss it's, whedon okay yeah it's Funny. uh resurrection I yeah think? i haven't seen that it's the only one With i haven't seen any Winona of. writer and yeah someone else isn't it but yeah. it's it's the bad one that everyone hates um but he there was some creative struggles on that one yeah yeah well with the whole Zack snyder thing like i feel i i know what you're saying and i feel a little guilty feeling like i I feel terrible his yeah child is gone and he clearly needs some time yeah but i mean you know as far as his directorial work goes i've actually never really liked a Zack snyder movie Mm. like i didn't care for the 300 uh i didn't i did enjoy 300 yeah, it was, it was I don't know, it, it super stylized, but it did a, not hit the spot for me. Uh, um I mean there's a lot of great beefcake in that movie, but that's <laughs> Well, and half of that is not, it's not even real beefcake. Yeah. Like those abs aren't real. I think that I just can't really enjoy a movie that's supposed to be live action that is 90% CG. Like if uh, it's like up and it's 100% CG, I'm like great. I right, love those movies. Right. But if it's I, Zack Snyder in particular usually uses so much CG that my eye just kind of gets annoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Watchmen comic. It's the it's the book that got me into comics because I'm a total stereotype. Um, but I really didn't like the movie. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like it was a very... Uh, I mean, I really liked seeing a lot of the panels brought to life. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the, the movie itself lacked the soul and the spirit and the intent... Oh. of the book it's just like a shadow it was like the... a shell of the story yeah. yeah and without the giant space squid in the end i'm like fuck this i'm out i mean that was so disappointing <laughs> What's the to me point? Yeah. that was the whole fucking point of the of the, the yeah. story that was like the the crux of the story mm-hmm. and it was such a ridiculous weird thing and i won't go into detail in case you haven't read the book yet which you should go fucking read because it's so good yeah um but i was just like man without this crazy weird thing at the end the rest of this doesn't quite lock into place I don't know. Alan Moore is a, is a mad genius. He, mm-hmm. he writes a lot of my favorite comic books. Like From Hell. Have you read From Hell? No. Oh, I got to lend that to you. It is a gorgeous fucking story. It is wonderfully brilliant. It's really long. It's really dense. It's uh, but it's I, I like so the, good. I like the longer ones. It gives you a chance to really delve into the universe. That yeah, the totally. Artist is envisioning for you. Yeah. And it's, it's weird as a graphic novel from Hell is very somber and it's not there's mm. no superheroes it's the story of jack the ripper basically oh uh, okay. and they made a johnny depp movie out of it that totally missed the point but was still kind of fun i might um, have seen that oh yeah oh. 
Well, there's like there's one page in From Hell that every time I've read it twice now, I think, and every time I've read it, when I when you turn the page and it's this full pra- page art, mm-hmm. um, it has taken my breath away every time because I forget that it's coming and it's the most like brilliant moment story wise. Yeah, and it's just like such a shock. Um, and I won't tell you anything about it because okay, I'm gonna make you read yeah, this. <laughs> I, I'm gonna have to read it now. It yeah, good. but it's so good. Did you ever get into comic books? Not really. I mean, I I, I read some here and there, uh-huh. um, but I definitely never like followed anything all the way through. I think probably Buffy got me into oh, comics. Oh, cool! That's right. Because season eight picks up right with um, solely in the comic world. Yeah, I have to. Do you have some of those? I have some. Can I please borrow them? Yes. Yes. Fuck you yeah. Can. Yeah. Um, you're the one who got me back into Buffy because I watched like a season and a half. Uh, oh yeah, you... years and years and years ago, and then we were work. You and I worked together uh-huh. years ago. That's how we know each other. Right. Uh, we worked at the Joseph the Arnold Lofts. The Joe. Uh, <laughs> I was a leasing agent. And you were the concierge. Yeah. Yeah. We. The job was awful, but we had a good time. We had a good time. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't that bad i yeah. wasn't there as long as you were um but i don't know fond memories yeah got I, a friendship out of it at least yeah totally <laughs> yeah <fine>. that's <laughs> our friendship is the yeah. the best thing that came out of that for me yeah. cheers all right <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so buffy um you had only seen some of it and you saw like the not good parts of buffy like seasons right. one and two they're still trying to find their voice. Yeah. Um, figuring out exactly what the show was going to be. Like, Joss had this vision of what he wanted, but they were still trying to find it. Right. And they, I feel that they really hit their stride in season three. Yeah. And Agreed. I, I had to sell you a little bit you to did. get you back into it and be like, look, here's how you do Buffy if you're having a hard time with what you've seen already. Forget about seasons one and two. Yeah. Uh, usually I'm a completionist and I like scoff at doing things out of order but you need to see some of the peak like this is what it can be when it's good right and that will make you love it enough to go through some of the dregs totally at the beginning and you you came over and you showed me episodes yeah like like, you sat me down you need to watch you taped my eyes open like malcolm mcdowell and uh (laughs) yes and whatever Uh, that's called clockwork orange yeah Yeah. like you will watch buffy the vampire slayer and you're gonna love it and you're welcome (laughs) Um, okay, what did you show me? I don't I know you showed me the Zeppo. I showed you the Zeppo and uh Restless, which is one of my it, well, Restless. not one of it is my it's the dream episode at the right. end of season 4. Well, so that one I was already sold. Like that one you you asked me to wait for you when I was watching through. Oh, okay. But, did I not show you that? It might have been someone else cuz I've done this with two people now. Yeah, you <laughs> so. didn't show me that one before. The first time I saw it was when I watched through uh for the first time like okay. in order. But I loved that episode. That mm-hmm. was so good. But you, I, you showed me a couple out of order to get Hush, me to, it to been watch. Hush. I don't remember. The silent episode? I think it was Hush. Could have been that. I think that's the one that's like, there's fucking not, A, this was so good. There's one big spoiler in that. Well, two. I think that's there's right. There's two spoilers in that But one. I'd completely forgotten but it's it. so good. <laughs> yeah. When I got to that point, yeah. I did not remember the spoiler. Yeah. So yeah, you sold me enough that I went back and finished season two mm-hmm. and then watched from there on right. and i really fell in love with it in season three mm-hmm. um that's where it's really like the money maker it's yeah. just like every character is figuring out who they are yeah. and really embracing it and the the pacing of the language is wonderful 
Yeah, totally. But they they have their own kind of made up language for the most right. part, and just the way that they the syntax of every sentence is crazy. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, three three is where it's really starting to shine. It's so funny when I first started watching the show, I stumbled on the on the language a little bit. Mm-hmm. I but then I got used to it, and then I started to just expect it and appreciate it. Right, and then uh, when Don shows up in season um, five. four five, yeah, yeah, when Don shows up. I, it was so weird for me to have a new character who was younger than everyone else also speaking that way. Uh, and I started to stumble on the language again, but then right. I got used to it again. But yeah. it's so, I love, I love that aspect of the show. It's something that uh, Firefly also has. Mm-hmm. I think Firefly does it. Firefly does it in the way that for my personal aesthetic is just perfect. Uh, something about, you know, like the way that they use words like shiny, you know? Yes. Yeah, it's it's supposed to be 500 years in the future, so obviously language is going to evolve a little totally. bit. Like, yeah. look at the difference between right now, kids who are in high school right now say completely different things and just right. morph words, you know, like totes. Like, yeah. like that stuff is... Like selfie is now a, a well-accepted word. Right. Like yeah. 10 years ago, that didn't even, no didn't one knew even, what that was. It didn't even exist. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what do you mean you're t- taking a selfie? Yeah. What are you that? masturbating? Yeah, what are you what doing? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. It's a personal day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really appreciate that he kind of plays with language in such a fun way. And part totally. of that is from his experience in boarding school. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, Joss Whedon went to uh, boarding school in England and um, just started thinking about the different ways that uh cultures play with with their own language and huh. so it kind of comes out in most of his work that's super cool that's i firefly was the first show of his that i watched and that's a good one to start with it's i mean one of my <laughs> absolute my favorite, favorite shows yeah there are times in my life where i wasn't sure if i liked it more than star trek the next generation which oh, is saying a lot yeah, because that's, that's my favorite show yeah uh and i think i i know that you totally disagree but i really disliked the movie uh, I have massive issues with the movie. I know you love it. And well, I don't want to be disrespectful. I don't. Okay. I, I understand that it's completely different from the show. Yeah. Um, they were able to resurrect this dead IP and just, you know, br- breathe life into it again one more time. And so yeah. he had to cram a lot into it, which took out all of the the loving details that he was able to put into the show because there right. was more time. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's so funny. Like I've, I, I've talked to a couple of people who saw the movie first and it mm-hmm. brought them to the show. Um, but I, I watched, I heard about the movie and I'm like, mm-hmm. what's the show? There's yeah. a show first. Right. I'm a completist. I'm going to do no one, it that no one way. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I went back and watched the show first after the movie was out and mm-hmm. watched the movie immediately after. Yeah. And it was, uh, it's a letdown. It was such a letdown. And I, every time I watch it still, I just get so bothered by like, uh, even the first scene, it's like Simon Tam is this crazy action star who like <laughs> repels in to save his sister. I'm like, that's right. not how that You're happened. Like, it can't be. Who is this? Yeah. That can't be how that happened. He's so awkward. He can't even walk down a hallway without hurting himself. Totally. Let alone repelling. I know. Like, like knocking fuck? out a whole room full of government officials. <laughs> and that's why I love Simon. That's why yeah. I like identified with him as a character because mm-hmm. yeah. he's the kind of the, the bumbling yeah. genius, you know, he's like the dandy who, oh no, I got yeah. mud on my shoes. Totally. Why? <laughs> but he like knows everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and is not really a know-it-all. He's just like accidentally knows everything. He's right. like a great character. He's pretty fun. Yeah. But I really, I mean, he wasn't him in the movie. You know, he just yeah. wasn't there as a well, person. Well, a lot of the characters were tweaked for the movie. Yeah. 
like they, complete all, makeovers ugh. like you see yeah. book and he's living with this village and yeah like, that felt that felt at least like the character was the same person mm-hmm. you know i felt like mal was kind of the same person even though he was a he i don't know i mean mal felt like he worked for me in serenity uh yeah, he he was a little bit more tortured in the movie, like yeah, but than that can he was in the time. show because yeah. Fox really wanted it to be lighter, right? They wanted it well, to they, be comedic. They changed him from the first to the second episode. Like Fox yeah. made him be comedic. There were two pilots, right? For exactly yeah. that reason. Yeah. yeah, and I actually prefer the more comedic Mal. I think that right. like episode four of Firefly when he has the the duel. Yeah, I'm like this is my Shindig. favorite show. It's like so great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's mostly because he's, like, so funny. Ray. He's so fucking funny. It's a very dark, rare humor, which I love. Yeah, totally. And, you know, it works. You can be completely messed up inside and just, like, a broken human being, but still hilarious. Yeah. 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 And that's comforting. That's it's my comfort zone right there. It's, like, yeah. my wheelhouse. <laughs> but, yeah, so I talked to people who saw the movie first, and they loved it. And yeah. I thought about that, and I think that if I had seen the movie first with no context... I probably would have really loved it. I think that would have been a good way to do it for some people because despite the fact that they give away a lot in the movie, yeah, it's like the condensed Cliff's Notes of that world. And if you like that, then you can go back and you can get a richer history. Yeah, yeah. I feel like if, if, it's, if you want to like all of it, watch the movie first. Yeah. If you want to... I, I, I loved watching it the way I did because I feel like I developed a deeper bond to the show than I would have otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the mystery, you know? Yeah. Like, who are the Reavers? What's going on? What's going on yeah. in this world? Yeah. I think that that mystery added to the experience of seeing the show for the first time. And I wouldn't want anyone to not experience it that way. But yeah. I feel like... Uh, I might be a happier person if I liked Serenity more, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I got to see um, Serenity when it was still super unfinished. Really? There was a um, preview in Las Vegas when I lived there, and Whoa. half of the special effects of the final battle were placeholder, like previs, like yeah. this is a rectangle. This is a wow. gray ship. It'll be something later, and half of the sound effects weren't in it, but the the story was still there. That's cool. So, yeah, that was wow. a very exciting day for me. <laughs> How do you? So do you? I'm assuming you loved it the first time you saw it in that in that context. Um. Well, yeah, I had been waiting for anything else. Yeah, like, totally. if your your favorite thing is taken away from you, and then you're told that you can get a different version of it later, but it'll yeah. give you some closure. Yeah, you take it. <laughs> And yeah. you are happy with it. Yeah. That, see, that I think that's the right attitude. Yeah. I I have this attitude where it's like, well, I'm still scarred by by the prequels. I'm scarred by the Phantom Menace. Right. Where it, I was like, any any Star Wars will be good. Uh, and I, I was at the height of my Star Wars passion at that point. Um, and I was like researching George Lucas because I'm like, I kind of revere this person. Need more. Because yeah. he made this story. Yeah. Uh, and that, it's like... He was like my storytelling god, you know? And then I went through this crisis of faith after that. Yeah, yeah, for you would be Joss Whedon, for sure. Um, I assume. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, like, Spielberg and and George Lucas were both Mm. pretty equal for me, because Close Encounters of the Third Kind and uh, E.T. are some of my absolute favorites. E.T. was a big movie. That was like, I had two VHSs growing up that I watched over and over and over again. One was The Wizard of Oz, 
and one was E.T. <laughs> nice. Oh, The Wizard of Oz is so good. Yeah. That's my mom's favorite movie of all time. It's, yeah. I watched that a lot as a kid. It's like, I went through a phase, like I had red shoes and I had like oh, a little really? Dorothy dress. And that's like, adorable. <laughs> oh my God, that's so cute. I was obsessed with it when I was like five, so. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I think that was my first fantasy love was Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what sort of fantasy stuff were you into as a kid? Oh, I don't know if I read a whole lot of fantasy when I was super young. Um, there is one book that's like for really young kids, um, called the farthest away mountain, Uh um, which is by the author that did the Indian in the cupboard. Oh, cool. Um, Francis burnett i think oh damn I, I i can't remember her full name now it's that's embarrassing but um <laughs> i don't remember either um anyway so i always think now living in seattle for anyone who's been here and seen mount rainier to me it is the farthest away mountain but this book was about hmm. a magical place that no one could get to and one day this girl decides you know to hell with this i'm going on an adventure i'm gonna get the things i want out of life and everyone else can you know fuck off nice <laughs> and so she packs up her stuff and she goes towards this mountain that is supposed to be no matter how far you travel towards it you can never reach it uh-huh. um but cool. the, mo- the mountain calls her and so she goes on this little adventure and um um, to me, that's Mount Rainier. <laughs> so. Wow, that sounds really cool. Yeah, so oh my God. man, that was probably one of my first fantasy books. Yeah. Um, and oh, then, what about um, what about like Lion Witch in the Wardrobe? That was maybe my that was also maybe my first because my memory is, does not go back that far. <laughs> I have not read any of the Narnia series. Wow, I know. So <laughs> I have holes in my yeah, in totally. my literary knowledge. We all do. Yeah, I think that that's a hard one because like. I read it without knowing that it was Christian allegory. And mm-hmm. then when I found that out, I got a it's little It's hard upset. to swallow it knowing that. It kind of reframed some things that happened that I loved mm-hmm. um, in a way that made me uncomfortable, yeah. especially as a Jew. You right, know? <laughs> right. It's like, Even if I'm not religious, I'm still Everyone Jewish. who doesn't believe this is wrong and they're the bad guys. Right. Uh, and that, that makes me so uncomfortable. Right. But holy fuck, those books are good. Holy shit. They're mm-hmm. so good. I know they're so good. good. Oh my god! Oh, um, I guess okay. So my all-time favorite book is fantasy. It's called Sabriel by Garth Nix. Oh, um, I don't know if I've. I don't think you told me forced you to read that yet. No, not yet. (laughs) (laughs) It's really good. Um, and I was introduced to that in junior high, so a while ago, and it's still my favorite. Like you know 20 25 years later (laughs) what's it about um there is so kind of like you know the wall in uh game of thrones yeah that divides like one side from another side and there's like magic and creatures and like stuff cool so um this is the old kingdom series and north of the the wall (laughs) is magic and dead creatures and just like technology doesn't work like anything that is made from a machine or like a printing press falls apart in this world so you can't even have things like paper yeah um or at least (laughs) unless it was like handmade paper but um and south of this is like 1920s you know 
modern day, you know, normal world. Is it like London or something? It's kind of kind of like London, but you definitely get a 20s vibe. Like girls have bobbed hair and there's like old timey automobiles <laughs> and, um, you know, airplanes are a newfangled device. Yeah. Um, and so this girl is raised in a boarding school just south of the wall and her father is one of the main like mage type dudes of the the north side mm -hmm. um, but for safety reasons he wants her to grow up south of the wall and learn what it's like kind of without magic um, and then uh things happen and she has to rescue him on the north side of the wall cool. i don't want to give away too much um i want to read that but too. the magic system is lovely oh i love a good it, magic system yeah did you read uh the aragon books no i didn't my friend was really into it um but for whatever reason i just never yeah the second one is brilliant the yeah. second one is all about magic systems and mm -hmm. like learning magic yeah and it's fucking awesome the is first the one's fine is um, the third one like people have issues with that one i did not like the third one okay yeah i feel the like a lot of people had took the third one brought in these like zombies and i'm like okay. come on we don't need even Game of Thrones brought in zombies. Yeah. We don't need zombies in everything. Okay. I like zombies just fine. But. Well, then you might not like this book because oh. it's about <laughs> it's about a girl who her family's like their destiny basically because it's a it's a lineage thing. Uh -huh. They they fight the dead, and okay. the, they are the ones who put down zombies and like I keep can, people from raising monsters. See, I can that's. That seems okay to me. Like, that's kind of like Buffy, you know? Kind of. Yeah. Um, kind of like that. But I think it's for me, it's a weird thing where when you add in zombies to a story that's been going for a while. Okay. This one is all like the first like prelude. It's like they're yeah. in the river of d the death area. Yeah. And like there is a, a dead spirit that comes up and is like, this is hello, dead things. Like yeah. it's, it's right up front. So it's yeah. an introduction. See, all that still sounds cool to me. Okay. I guess it's, I don't, I don't have a rule against zombies. It's just like I'm sometimes make you read it. I'm so excited. Cool. I will and read then, it. And then there's a couple of books. So he wrote the first one kind of as a standalone. And then, um, a little bit later he started, uh, another, it's a trilogy, but it's kind of like the first one is on its own. And then the last two were its own story. Okay. Um, and part of my love for, libraries and librarians and like all things books stemmed from book two where oh, there's there's like a super library <laughs> and it's just like nerdgasm the entire time every that's so cool every chapter that's about that it's really fun yeah yeah tell well tell us about your your library and uh like interests and all that stuff i think this is fascinating I oh this. i don't know i just uh bibliophile since my dad started me loving books at a really young age like i could read by the time i got to school because he yeah. was like here are these books just keep doing that <laughs> <laughs> um and i don't know my one of my lifelong goals is to go to school and get a degree in information science um yeah. university of washington here in in seattle has one of the best programs for that in the country and uh, one of these days, I'm going to go back to school for that. <laughs> yeah. And then you'll be a librarian. And then I'll be legit. Yeah. So but, like your life goal is to be a librarian. Yeah. That's like, that's, I love that. That's life goal stuff. That's something you told me 
pretty soon after we met that I thought was super cool. I think I may have mentioned it in the interview at the oh, joke. Yeah. You were one of the people that interviewed like you was I? Adam. Yeah. Oh that's funny. Um, oh yeah. Adam wanted us all to sit in. I think it was Adam and Justine and I because he yeah, wanted It was us like to, a committee. It was well of. he he's a really he was my manager for years mm-hmm. and he's like we had so much fun at the Joe with Adam because right. Adam is all about having a team with a vibe, mm-hmm. you know, as a manager. Right. So, and apparently I passed the like, yeah, you passed the test. The vibe test. We're like, she's got a good vibe. <laughs> like that's, that's why, we, that's why Justine and I were sitting there. And yeah. then we actually had to say to Adam right. after whether or not we liked your vibe. Okay, yeah. cool. I got voted in. Yeah. Excellent. You got voted in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that came up in my interview. Like, you know, there's always the obligatory, where do you see yourself in five years? Right. And I'm like, uh, I'm going to have a degree and I'm going to work for a library and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. books. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite answer to that is Mitch Hedberg's joke, mm-hmm. celebrating the five-year anniversary of you asking me this question. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I have to remember that. <laughs> I love Mitch Hedberg. Oh my God. Um. So how, when did you get into fantasy? If you were into sci-fi as books, like what got you into fantasy? Because oh, I actually, when I think of you, I think of Joss Whedon first and foremost well, yeah. as your fandom. But then I think of fantasy second because you have recommended so many fantasy books for me to read. I like know. I was on like the Jane Smith book club for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, I read all those Iron Druids and really liked them. Right. And those were, uh, when we talked about like magic systems, mm-hmm. because that one has a really great one. It does. Uh, which I really liked. Yeah. Um, I really like that one actually. Like you get tattoos mm-hmm. uh, with like different symbols and it, it and has words. a place for every magic system because it's one of those things where belief gives power. And so even people who have a completely different like religion or background, whatever they believe in, has its own system. Yeah, and so you get to see lots of different kinds of magic in in that world. It's really yeah. Fun. It's it's one of those, it kind of uses the pantheon of gods, yes. like a lot of books do these days, like mm-hmm. Rick Riordan's uh, oh, Percy Jackson books. Olympians. Yeah, yeah, the Olympians, yeah. Uh, and a lot, and I think, I haven't read American Gods, but I hear that that does also. I'm about to watch the show. I was waiting for it to finish so that I oh, could cool. binge it. Because yeah. I, I read the book, and yeah. it's pretty fun. I love Neil Gaiman. Yeah. Um, him, and actually, for anyone who knows Neil Gaiman is married to an, a musician named Amanda Palmer and I loved both of them independently of each other <laughs> and then when they got together and got married I was just like yes that's awesome yes that's so cool that's how so, I feel about the episode he wrote of Doctor Who <laughs> I love the, the oh, Doctor's Wife I know exactly wife. what you're talking about so good and it's one of the best episodes oh. of Doctor Who that exists it's, it's uh the premise is that the tardis which is his you know his spaceship his right. time traveling spaceship the tardis becomes his, a person right and that's something that i've always wanted to see like the the actual living part of the tardis is personified in a woman named idris yes and it's actually the tardis a great name and, um <laughs> it's just it's just so good like as a doctor mm-hmm. who fan that's something i wanted to see and then it just filled this whole and it yeah. felt so good <laughs> it, i've seen that one many many times because yeah my favorite doctor and my favorite companions yeah and uh getting to see the tardis walking around on legs is great <laughs> yeah you were actually a, a, another influence in getting me to watch doctor who because mm-hmm. uh my friend kendra started me on it and i didn't quite get into it and kind of stalled before i finished the first season 
Uh, yeah. And then you were someone who was trying to convince me to get back into it. And now it's one of my favorite shows ever. It's it's pretty difficult to jump into. Um, I had the same experience, and I don't know what got me through. <laughs> like, the 2005 reboot with Christopher Eccleston yeah. is super camp. Yeah. And and Rose is a little difficult to like at first because she's very... I could see that. ...blunt. She has a lot of hard edges, I guess, for <laughs> someone who's not, like, been following it. And then you come to love her right. and anything that happens to this character is devastating. Like just, just watching her totally. evolution. And it's, I just watched it for the second time recently and I loved it. Mm. Season one. Right. I could not get into it the first time, but right. I loved it the second time. And I it's, loved Eccleston as the doctor the yeah. second time. The first time I didn't care. It it was, it was a rough uh, momentum, I think, yeah. kind of like Buffy. You know, yeah. once you love it, then you can go back and have a whole different appreciation for all that early stuff. That's something I'm going to do someday. I'm sure is watch Buffy again because yeah. it was so good. Like mm-hmm. I miss it. That's how. That's how I know that a show has like crept into my heart. <laughs> it's part of you now. Yeah, it's yeah. when I'm like I should watch that again because I miss it. Yeah. And that that totally Buffy and Firefly, absolutely Firefly. Mm-hmm. I've already watched at least tw- like I've watched every episode at least twice. Mm-hmm. And a handful more than that, I think. But um, my plan for the last two years has been to get through uh, Next Generation uh-huh. and then do like an in-depth series oh, on Firefly. F- okay. Yeah, because Next Generation Sign I've been doing up. like one season at a time. Dibs. Sign you up? All right. I call dibs on that. You got it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Let's do it. That'd be yeah. so fun. Oh, my God. Firefly I want to do like one episode at a time of Firefly. Well, you totally can. 14 episodes is yeah. not hard to do. Yeah. We could maybe like, we could do two episodes at a time if we hang yeah. out to record. That that sounds good. Yeah. Let's fucking do it. Awesome. And then it'll be seven episodes just like Next Generation was. Ah, That's perfect. perfect. Balance. Yeah. I mean, I do like, I don't know. I do other shows. Like, I'm doing Babylon 5 season by season. But um, I, for some reason, like in my heart, this show is still... In, like, season one, which means that we're doing Next Generation, if that <laughs> oh, makes sense. Yeah. And, like, moving on to Firefly will be season two of okay. the podcast. Yeah, once you wrap up TNG, then it's, like, that's a milestone. You can can move on to the next chapter. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm not going to, like, separate it or delineate it Well, no, at all. You, you're never going to be done. But in my mind, that's what's happening. You're never going to be, like, completed with that. It's always going to yeah. be there, but it'll be, like, yeah, a... Yeah, totally. You know, it's just nice to think of the Project. podcast in eras because it's just like, I mean, it's already been two years. This is going to be episode uh, 85. So, yeah, it gets it gets hard to keep track of everything in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe I'll do it by the hundreds. I don't know. Or maybe it doesn't matter. Who it doesn't knows? really matter. Yeah. I've been playing a lot of uh breath of the wild oh cool for, for nintendo those, switch those few people out there that have a switch nice it's the most beautiful game oh my I've god ever seen and your comment about just like whole numbers <laughs> completing things i just it rang true to me as we're trying to find all the shrines in uh-huh. the game right now and like is there a hundred i don't know are they gonna go over it <laughs> have i haven't played that but i own a wii u so i could buy it it was the last like big oh. release on the wii u I should get it. I'm actually, I've been considering uh, live streaming myself playing Mario Maker. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Cause like yeah. I'm, you know, I'm home recovering from Lyme disease right. and I'm, I have a lot of time where I play Mario. I might as well 
put it on the internet for other people to see, right? You could get like a Twitch channel and have people yeah, like tune in. Totally. I, I might try Twitch and YouTube and see which one I like better. Yeah. But that's what I've been thinking about doing recently. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so maybe I should sub- play Breath of the Wild. Yeah. That's, oh, well, the hundreds of hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> worth it. Absolutely worth it. But um, I haven't like gotten really into so a game ended. in years. Like, yeah. well, I mean, I play Mario Maker every day, but like a, a story game. Mm-hmm. The last time was actually probably uh, Knights of the Old Republic when it first came out as an MMO. Yeah. I got to level 25 and I was really, really into it I for got. a while. And yeah. then I, and then I like, and I'm like, I think I hate this. And I walked away from it and never yeah. came back. Yeah. I tried to play it once. And I'm like, no, I hate it. I hate oh, it. I'm over it. I can't do it anymore. It's hard to pick something up after you've left it for such a long time. Like, totally. Like you said, you have to go back and with the X-Files and start from scratch right. or it doesn't feel right. So you got to love it, you yeah, know? Yeah. And I loved that game for a while, but then I, I hit this weird saturation point where I could not play it another second. Mm-hmm. And also it took up so much of my life for a few months there. And it, I looked back on that with horror <laughs> when it was over. But now I play like Mario Maker yeah. is different to me because it's like a skill, you mm-hmm. know, it's like playing pinball where yeah. It's Mario Maker is almost like an, playing inside of an analog world where anything can happen. And sure, it's like all digital, right. uh, but there are infinite combinations of what can happen when you start getting into like shell jumps and yeah. spring jumps and all this type of shit. So I feel like I'm practicing and it feels like I'm gaining something by playing. Right. Uh, but Leveling like with, up. Yeah, totally. Like in my own life. But when I was just leveling up as a character in in Star Wars in Old Republic, like, after a while, I'm like, this is meaningless, and I just got so upset. I know. I, I played that for a little while, and I had the same experience where I had not played for a few days, and then just <laughs> the need to play was gone. So yeah. I went back. It's like a fucking addiction, though. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a very intense feeling to be building a character. Mm-hmm. This is the thing I kind of avoid, because I know I have an issue with it, where I'm building a character, and it's getting stronger, I will do everything. Like when I played Old Republic, and I loved the first, the first Knights of the Old Republic game yeah. on, I think PlayStation. I didn't even own a PlayStation, so Wait, I borrowed my friend's PlayStation to play through this game. Yeah. And I looked in every nook and cranny of that fucker. You oh know? man! I'm like looking at every single quest that you can possibly do. Yeah. Any chance to get stronger? Because <laughs> I'm like, by the time I face Darth Revan, I want to be. Was yeah. it Darth Revan? I think it was. I want to be as strong as possible. Yeah. And I got to the final fight, and I just like bitch slapped him, yeah, and he it was, was dead. Too easy cause yeah, because I was like too strong. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, is this how I want to go through life? (laughs) I I understand that, though, because when I really get into a game like uh, Breath of the Wild, I am picking up, I'm literally leaving no stone unturned because you can pick up rocks and sometimes there's stuff under them. Oh, my God. I don't think (laughs) I can do it. So there's no way to walk past a rock and just not pick it up. (laughs) You can't. Wow. You can't. It's a problem. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff at first. And then I get so involved. Mm Mm-hmm. It just, hundreds of hours <laughs> it it scares me actually like it's yeah. a scary thought because mm-hmm. i i don't know i get so sucked into stuff like that but i don't know now is the time to do it if i'm ever going to do it because i'm yeah. you know home you a can. lot you have the but opportunity. i'm so satisfied with mario i'm like having the most fun ever i i loved mario so much anyway yeah my whole life i mean as soon as i as the first time i played mario was at uh, the dentist's office. No, the orthodontist's office. They let you play video games? Oh, that's amazing. My orthodontist had Game Boys for every station. Oh, so when so you came in as a kid, you were handed a Game Boy yeah. and then you go sit in the dentist chair. Mm-hmm. 
and it was like a playground. I and then the first time you go in, he actually has an NES set up in the consultation room uh, so amazing. you play and your yeah. parents talk to him right you're just like, a fucking whatever, genius do whatever you gotta do and yeah. that's the first time i ever got my hands on an nes yeah, and I, awesome. I was like playing mario and i was doing that thing where you kind of move the controller with your whole body <laughs> um, you get into it and you're yeah like flinging things i was so into it yeah. instantly mm-hmm. and i we didn't have a nintendo so i was like can we go to the orthodontist so i can play nintendo that's awesome. uh and then i was the first kid on my Brilliant. block to get a super nintendo oh uh, that's i finally wore my parents down we got uh-huh. a super nintendo the day it came out or, or somewhere close by and i was like the misfit on my block as a kid Uh i was like really weird as a kid um (laughs) and such a nerd you know i was like so into star trek at such a young age and i did not fit in with all the kids who were into sports because i could barely play sports i never got into sports at all i was always like band nerd (laughs) i was totally a band nerd yeah yeah but everyone on my block came down to see super mario world well the day that i got that nintendo you're everyone's friend when you i was everyone's friend for a day my friend had a super (laughs) nintendo and i remember going to her house and just because my parents didn't really let me play games or anything like that for a really long time. Yeah. And, yeah, I remember just vast acres of time <laughs> spent in her basement playing stuff like Long yeah. Man. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, for me, it was always Super Mario World. Like, that was my first and greatest that love. That was the first complete game that I ever got through. It was just, yeah, I think me too, actually. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's still my favorite game. I mm-hmm. still play it all the time. Sarah and I hang out and play Mario all the time. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Sarah, uh, Sarah Lehman, who's been on this show before. You've met Sarah. I did. A couple times. I like Sarah. We had like a movie night or something, right? No, we went to Andy's. Uh, oh, right. J- we, we Jamie went, and the Giant Peach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andy's play that she was the, remake of that. the musical or... Uh, like art uh acting coach for the creative directors creative director yeah, yeah musical director something musical director maybe i don't know she does a lot that's when i met both of them that's fun oh cool you met both of them that day yeah i'd swear you would have met sarah before that that's so weird yeah because you and i have been friends for years um but sarah actually moved out of town mm-hmm. for years oh, okay uh so i think that maybe that's I guess maybe that makes sense then. I missed that window. Yeah, but Sarah and I were friends for years before we discovered that we were both Mario fans. Mm. So then we got really obsessed with playing together all the time. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, Mario, mm. Breath of the Wild, fantasy. I'm going back in my mind trying to figure out what we were talking about. <laughs> oh, okay. So Joss Whedon. Joss I have Whedon. so much to ask you about so many things. Oh, I'm so glad we're finally recording this we podcast. We might have to do two podcasts. We might. We might. <laughs> well, I'm going to have you come on and talk about Firefly. That's true. We're well, going to do I like will, 14 podcasts. I will regurgitate all of my Joss Whedon knowledge happily. Over. Yeah. We'll we'll dig in there over time and get everything you know out. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay, what do we want to go back to? Let's see, Fantasy, Neil Gaiman. Um, I was asking you about oh. when you were a kid, when you got into Fantasy. Yeah. And then, when did you get into Buffy? Like, when it was airing? Um, I didn't watch it from the very beginning. I used to go to my grandparents' house um, for a couple of weeks during the summer, uh-huh. every year. And um, there was a Buffy marathon on some channel and you know they were doing something else and i was like i'm just gonna watch tv (laughs) and it was it was season three of like it had just aired i think um and they were replaying the whole season yeah and it was amazing yeah and so i started watching it from then on out and i watched it weekly um as it as it was on actual live tv um, and then I would go back and watch like the syndicated stuff to get the early things. Like this was before DVDs yeah. <laughs> really became a big deal. <laughs> um, and so, 
Yeah, I saw I saw most of it. Um, probably junior high. Um, going forward, and just completely fell in love with that whole universe. Yeah, and you watched what? How do you feel about Angel? I watched Angel. Um, I have a love hate relationship with Angel. <laughs> Um, I was very happy that Joss Whedon was doing a spinoff and creating more. And I loved uh, David Boreanaz as I was watching Buffy for the first time. Uh Um, You know, as a girl in high school, I was kind of loyalist to it's her first love and it will always be Buffy and Angel forever. Um, But, you know... It, growing up as a as a person your tastes change and your opinions change <laughs> yeah and now i'm totally team spike but fuck yeah team spike high woo, five yeah <laughs> <laughs> um he's he was always the better man i don't care if he didn't get his soul until later he was he was a better man even before then yeah um but anyway so i was really happy about angel and so uh got to watch that and happy that they brought a couple characters over like charisma carpenter and then you end up seeing uh, alexis denisoff uh come over as wesley and yeah. it, it felt right you know it was like yes i get to have two shows now instead of one yeah and then about season three or four things went off the rails for me it was season three for me um I originally really liked Connor when he was introduced um, as just like this angsty little whiny teenager. Yeah. Was he season three or four? No, he was f- four. I think he was three. I think you're right. Or end of... Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure process, most, most of it was three. The process of finding Connor was like the first half of season three, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or whatever that means with that weird dude. Um, hold it. Holtz? Holtz. It was Holtz. Yeah, Holtz. Yeah. Holtz yeah. from uh, <laughs> The Expanse. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was, uh, so anyway, um, yeah, I, I stopped watching Angel. Wow. Because I was so upset with the characters and every decision that they were making that was just <laughs> so unbelievable. I could not even fathom these things happening. Yeah. And... Uh, I I went back later and rewatched the episodes just to be a completionist and and get it. Everything that happened with Jasmine, yeah, was very upsetting to me. Yeah. Even though I love Gina Torres, I know I felt the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's uh, Zoe everything Washburn. That led, everything that led up to that <laughs> was just like, no, I do not accept this at yeah. all. Right, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, spoilers for Angel. Uh, okay, yeah. Spoilers for Angel. If you guys are listening We're talking to this, about you've Cordelia probably, and Connor. Yeah, hooking up, um, and then she gets impregnated with like this demon god spawn thing yeah. that turns her into a jerk. Yeah, and then starts, you know, her baby starts eating people when she's born fully, like yeah, Medusa was, born fully grown. Yeah, it was very upsetting. Everything it was so weird, and I guess like it wasn't really Cordelia. It was. It wasn't her. She yeah. was possessed, but I yeah. still find everything like everything from the time that she ascended on yeah. until season five for me is just a void of I don't. I, don't I agree. Like any That's of this the plot. exact <laughs> period of the show that I did not went off the rails, really enjoy. and I couldn't even follow it anymore. It took like half of season five for me to get back on board mm-hmm. because I was so burned. Yeah, but I like season five quite season a bit. Season five is amazing. The last episode's fucking rad. Yes, it's and just rad. It's co- like so cool. 
what uh, a great fucking ending, you yeah, know, absolutely. which I won't spoil uh, because if like, you guys the, haven't seen it and if you had any problems with Angel, just watch season five by itself. They'll totally. fill in all the plot gaps that you need to know. And yeah. it'll, it's a totally different show. Yeah. Uh, but I think I was so I was kind of burned by season three mm. also. And I realized that what I liked about the show, because I was watching it concurrently with Buffy, what I liked yeah. about it was that I had this show watching project where I was watching through two shows at once. Yes. And they interlocked in really satisfying ways for the first couple of years. Crossovers were beautiful. Yeah. And then uh, Buffy got moved to a different network. Mm-hmm. And then the network that Angel was on said, well, fuck Buffy. We don't want any more crossovers. And then it kind of went down to a minimum. Yeah. And then I think there was also an effort to kind of make Angel stand apart from Buffy a little more than it already did. Right. Trying to get him out of her shadow. Yeah, exactly. And that show worked better in Buffy's shadow, I mm-hmm. felt like. The first two seasons, you know, yeah. as a supplementary show, I really liked it. It was a huge part of his story. Like, yeah. the whole reason why he was broody and trying to redeem himself is because he was introduced to this slayer who needed his help yeah so he pulled himself up out of the gutter yeah and literally literally and became a hero for her yeah so yeah man i and i just don't really care for angel that much as a character um he's pretty flat yeah he's so flat he's like kind of boring yeah i mean spike is like brilliant in comparison i have so many feels for spike (laughs) yeah and when spike first came to angel in season five i was like they're gonna ruin spike now but i but i actually really liked him in season five i felt like he totally held his own and made the show better through his presence he made yeah he made everyone better yeah by being there i was still pissed at some things that happened during season five but amy and i are actually doing an episode about this coming up really soon so Uh. i i don't want to talk too much about I don't want to get all my angel opinions out yet because I have <laughs> yeah, a lot no, to say. Save that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if you know this. Um, we talked earlier about Buffy comics. You know that the angel comics pick up from where the show left off? I do know that. Okay. Yeah. I need to check. Do you have those too? I don't have any of the I read them, but I didn't buy cool. them. I'm so picky about comic books. I have to hold them in my hand. I mm-hmm. refuse to read like digital, digital. Um, well, comics. Our library system, uh, plug for SPL, um, <laughs> is amazing. So any comic series you want to get, um, they have it. They have comic books at the library? They do. What? They're amazing. The library like Your two local... blocks up from my apartment, like three blocks up? Yeah, the Capitol Hill Library. And if they oh. don't have it here, um, they have a huge comic section. Oh but if they gosh. don't have what you're looking for, they will send it from a different library. So just what? request it and they'll tell you when it's there. You've and you literally, can you didn't know literally this? Literally just changed my life. Yeah, public libraries. Oh my Woo-woo. God. Yeah, so... I'm like a little emotional about this. Yeah, they will send it to you from any library yeah. in town, and it, they'll, oh my all God. you have to do is walk up the street and pick up that one. No right way! There. Yeah. So I was obsessed with comic books for this like several, like three or four year period in mm-hmm. my early twenties. Um, I used to go to lunch every Sunday with my mom, and then she'd take me to the comic book store oh, and buy nice. me comics. Good mom. Good yeah, job. it was awesome. It was really great. It was like you a really right. fun yeah. tradition. Um, but then I but. I mean, not just was was it a fun tradition, but I got like really obsessed with comic books because yeah. I uh, was just reading something new every week. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, I, I lent you House of Mystery. That's like when I was reading that. I and, love that oh, it's series. Fucking great. And Fables. So oh my good. God, I love Fables. Yeah. I lent someone the first four issues or first four trade paperbacks of Fables mm-hmm. and I don't know where they are. So I want to reread that series because I, um, well, I didn't finish my story. So I moved to oh. Seattle <laughs> and then I wasn't going to lunch with my mom once a week yeah. and I couldn't afford comic books anymore. I uh, mean, you yeah. know, moving to a city for the first time really like 
It's an expensive town. It's very expensive. And working at Starbucks when I first moved here, I mean, I just really couldn't spend money on comic books because it's like a disposable income for that. It's like a thirty to fifty dollar a week hobby. Mm -hmm. That one little comic is like three bucks. Totally, like between three to five dollars if it's like a a small print Mm -hmm. or like a small uh, not small print is in small text, but is in like a small printing press publisher. Thank you, small publisher. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I just I just went cold turkey, and I have a big collection, and I've right. reread a bunch of it. But um, for me, part of the absolute joy of comic books is like getting a little morsel of story every week and something that I love. Yeah, you know, a serial. Yeah, totally. Okay. I love. I think I my favorite way to read comics is in trade paperback form, though. When you yes. just like burn through it. Oh man, it's so fun. I think my actual introduction to comics, which. I don't know if it, it's not really the same. It was like newspaper comics. It was Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, I yeah. had the collections, the books. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was my childhood there. Like, Oof, I love my, my vocabulary and my dark sense of humor all comes from Mr. Watterson. So thank That's you so for funny. that. <laughs> I'm a Garfield kid. Oh yeah. I had Garfield too. And Garfield I was, was fun, but Garfield was like, you know, popcorn light funny haha yeah and, and that's my sense Calvin, of humor <laughs> yeah, no, but Calvin and Hobbes was like like nihilism like dark and wow. like why does this even matter and he'd like make these avant-garde snowmen of like melting you know and like grotesque things and he was a, like six-year-old boy but he mm. had the mind of a you know 30 or 40 year old and it totally was, it was beautiful that's awesome so, Calvin and Hobbes actually appealed to me more when I got older and I got yeah. really into it. I got like a, a big anthology that I've read a bunch. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't know. It's a big chunk, but it's nowhere near all of it. There was a lot. Yeah. Years and years. That'd be fun to read too. Oh my mm-hmm. God. I'm going to go to the library and I'm going to get comic books. Yes. My job here is done. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't believe I didn't know that. Oh man. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm so excited for you. Oh my God. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so I feel like we're working through your fandoms chronologically. Oh, geez. So what's after what's okay. after Buffy and Angel and all that stuff? What else are you super into? Uh, King Killer Chronicles. Going back to my fantasy book, love. Um, oh my god! I didn't yeah. actually read uh, Name of the Wind until I moved here, and I That's actually got it you from the library up the street, Capitol Hill. Oh, really? Yeah, that was the f- nice. I think the first book that I checked out there uh, was a librarian recommendation. It was like you need this. Yeah. And, um. I think you lent that to me, right? That was probably the... I think so. I'm pretty sure that I you're mean, the only reason I've read those. And yeah. I, like this, the So there's The Name of the Wind and then... And Wise Man's Fear. Wise Man's Fear. Wise and Man's Fear a, was one of the, my favorite books that yeah, I've ever read. It's it's so good. Um, Which is a very insane. wide list because I say that a lot. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but it's way high up there. I loved that book. Yeah. Name of the Wind was good, but Wise Man's Fear was like... I took it up to the next brilliant. notch. So you haven't really read it until you've read it a second or third time. Really? So have you read it a second or I third time yet? I haven't, no. You need to because you will know things, but every time you read read one of those books, you realize that there's a deeper level to Whoa. every detail that he gives you. Cool. Um, no way. Like, symbolism of stuff that you weren't even looking at the first time wow yeah cool and he I have, gives I've you so forgotten. many nuggets Ugh. i've forgotten so much of it that that might not work until my third <laughs> i might have to read it two more times you do it it's worth it so patrick rothfuss the king killer chronicles or chronicle um it's a trilogy the third book isn't out yet we'll see it someday but maybe doors of stone is gonna be mind-blowing oh is that what it's called doors of stone yes oh, i love that yes neat uh and there is a novella um for anyone who may not know yeah um 
the slow wait Slo- slow, slow regard, regard of, of silent, silent things. things. There yes. it is. I always, I always like <laughs> dyslexia the two words and be like a silent regard of slow things. Yeah. That's not Which it. you also lent to me and <laughs> yeah. I thought was just okay. But you lent me a signed copy, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, which is a fun little snippet out of this universe with a, a side character that has illustrations in the book. Yeah. Uh, yeah which is it, a different kind of format which is fun yeah it was interesting um i liked some of the visuals especially early on but mm-hmm. by the end of it i was like i don't know if i need this and then it was over <laughs> and that's oh, kind of my that was kind of my whole, lingering there's a whole chapter d- dedicated to like it's soap porn <laughs> basically for anyone who's ever made soap <laughs> there's just this whole chapter about making soap um so it's not for everybody yeah it's it's fun but if you want to make soap but if you were ever curious yeah yeah but oh my i can't wait for that i can't wait for that third one Mm -hmm. um and then you you're also super into doctor who right yeah yes with a caveat i haven't watched any of this most recent season okay uh peter capaldi's last season um i'm gonna binge that at some point but i'm just I don't know. I had I had a hard time. I love the actor. Um, I'm not so happy with what they did with this iteration of the Doctor uh-huh. with him, where he's just super angry and kind of a dick. Yeah, I. So, in Capaldi's done three seasons now. His first season, I felt like like felt kind of flat. Mm-hmm. I felt like. Uh, they didn't really know how to write for him as the doctor yet. Yeah. And then I feel like in, I love his second season. That's my yeah. favorite of his seasons. He's, I know that that's a little controversial because they like added in the guitar playing and the sunglasses and people seem to hate that. That, that broke it for me. Really? I, was, I love that shit. Do not mess with the sonic screwdriver. <laughs> I love the sonic sunglasses. It is a screwdriver. It's a tool to create and fix it is not a hipster like look at me my sunglasses do things you know what i loved about it though is that the doctor always wants to look cool that's part of his he does, character he does always want to look cool and he's I always looking like, for his next like prop totally i felt like the sunglasses were like matt smith's fez yeah. uh, just channeled through capaldi yeah and it felt it just made him feel more like the doctor to me like he didn't feel like the doctor like his, his guitar first was kind of like his bow tire is Fez for me. Like he's yeah. always playing a guitar um, I whenever like that he can. Too. And he plays guitar the way that I did when I was learning electric, which is like yeah. go stand in a room by myself and, and meditate while playing guitar. Like right. think about things like, and play like long Sherlock notes. playing the violin. You're just absolutely. Thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It felt very Sherlockian to me. So yeah. I love that. I love them both as character elements mm-hmm. and I love Clara. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> I love Clara. Ooh. Okay, I started loving Clara when she was okay. okay you you meet her as a Dalek, and then she shows up again. And you're like, what? The is impossible this? girl. The impossible girl. Why yeah. is she 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 showing up repeatedly? And that was an amazing storyline. Totally. But then she turned into a naggy, like babysitter for, for the Capaldi? doctor. Yeah. It's I yeah. Their like dynamic. Their, their rapport was completely off for me. Totally. And I think that that I've come to think that that was intentional. That they yeah. wanted. To have, I mean, because they've only, usually when like a doctor is replaced, it's like a 50 50 chance whether or not the companion is gonna, whether it's gonna work keep out, keep going, or yeah. the companion is gonna be replaced also. Right. Like, whenever they get a new showrunner, uh, which Fresh if start. pattern holds is like yeah. every uh, three to six Five-ish years. years well, yeah. let's see, Russell T. Davies did four seasons and then Stephen Moffat did six. Yeah. Um, 
And he's ending. So. Yeah, he's ending. Mm-hmm. So, and we still don't know what's happening with mm-hmm. the casting. I'm, I know. It, it seems There's like... There's rumors, but I don't, I'm not going to believe anything until I see it. Yeah, it seems like they're not... Uh, like, the prevailing rumor is that Bill is not coming back as the mm-hmm. companion for next season. Um, We'd, we've had one-offs before. Yeah, but, totally. Like Martha mm-hmm. or uh, uh, Donna. Donna. Yeah. Donna Noble. But I really, I really like it when they take a companion and then cross over to the next doctor. Like with Rose, it was so right. brilliant the way that Rose's relationship to the doctor changed. Right. And that's something that I really, 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 really love in the show. I enjoyed that immensely. Um, I think they tried to do the opposite with Clara by making them mess- not get along as well as she yeah. did with Matt Smith. But the interesting thing... <laughs> my tea is attacking me now. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, I just dumped it all up on myself. Yeah, so Clara is, I don't know, love-hate relationship with her. Yeah. I, I feel like first. Capaldi's second season, they seeing the Doctor and his companion kind of get closer again um, mm-hmm. was really satisfying for me. And I think as an arc for that season... Yep. It was something I really loved about it. And then the last couple episodes are just mind-bogglingly good. I mean, have you, see, have you seen all of Capaldi's second season? Yes. Uh, so, like, Face the Raven... Well, the last three episodes. Face the Raven, mm-hmm. Heaven Bent, and... Uh, face he- the Raven, Hell... Hellbent Hellbent, and, and Heaven, Heaven Sent. Sent. Yeah. yeah. I did not like Hellbent. Uh, really? That's the one where he's alone in that castle? Yes. Really? Okay. So... I'm so shocked. Uh, they... <laughs> They just completely blew the curve on his timeline for me, just by resetting him over and over again for four billion years. Right. Is ridiculous. Like, he starts off like, oh, I'm this, I'm a few hundred years old, and then it jumps to like, I'm 900 years old, and then it's like, I'm a couple thousand years old. Yeah. And then suddenly he's four billion years old. Like, I know they sort of don't I have no problem with that. But it's funny because I hate that about the Battle of Trenzalore. Like yeah. I, I hate, they, I hate time they, skipping. They jump forward like three hundred years. If I'm yeah. watching a show about Doctor Who, who's the main character, yeah. I want to be. I want to experience. His, I want to experience his his timeline his with travels. him. Yeah. yeah, and I don't like giant gaps like that. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Like there was a big gap between Matt Smith's first and second seasons where he was like two hundred years older. Yeah, and that bothered me. That bothered me a little bit. And then yeah. there was there was like a thousand year dark age for him after the pawns. That they right. briefly touch on, like he's right. just been alone and and sad for a while. Yeah, I, I hate that kind of shit. And, like, yeah. show me that. Yeah. You know, we're watching for him. We need right. to see his journey. Totally. Yeah. It'd be like watching Frasier, and all of a sudden, it's been five years between yeah. episodes. What happened? And Frasier suddenly like like respects women and has managed to be in a stable <laughs> relationship. I'm like, how did you get here? Yeah, we need uh, to see that. Yeah, missing like I don't know. So I know what you're saying, but uh, but in Hellbent because of like the sci-fi setup that he was inside of i just the the story as a contraption yeah. just fit together so perfectly that it, i was like blown away by i it. loved everything about it except for the fact that it they the, decided like, to, except yeah. they decided to do it for so ridiculous of a billions of years really guys yeah really i i dug it I loved it. Yeah. Oh my god, that might be one of my absolute favorite episodes. I see what you're saying though, okay. like, and I, it, what you're saying is something that does bother me in other mm. contexts, but, um, but, but the, the oh, way I'm getting that chills they just thinking about that episode. Holy shit! It's a good episode. It's so it's, good. It's like a puzzle mystery. Yeah. Uh, until it 
derails itself. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just finished season 10 a couple days ago. Oh, um, right. Bill, the new companion, mm-hmm. I fucking adored. And I she loved, was so great. I saw the first episode. Oh, so the I know first that. one's so yeah. good. Yeah. Wasn't that one great? I loved it. But I'm, I'm going to hold off for a little bit longer. I've got Until so it's many. like on Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got, yeah. And, you know, the to be read and to be watched pile is right. taller than I am now. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I know okay. what you mean. Yeah. And I haven't been reading much recently. Um, this is like a weird... You're going to read Garth Nick's The Old Kingdom trilogy. I will read it. If I have to. I will read it. If I have to come over here and read it to you. So <laughs> I'm treating I'm treating Lyme disease with marijuana. Yeah. And it it's makes Seattle. it really difficult to read. Like, I just don't... I can't read well high. It's hard, hard to focus. Um, yeah. I, I, I drop things constantly. Mm-hmm. Like... Because it's so visual for me that I get lost in these like weird visuals that I'm having. And then I start yeah. thinking about something else. And it's just like a weird reading ADD that only comes out if I'm high. Yeah. So I've I just been reading that. so slow and I've been jumping back and forth between different books. Mm-hmm. I'm still reading through Hitchhiker's Guide and I did a show about that like a year ago or something. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes it takes uh, a couple of efforts to actually get through a whole series yeah even if it's a good one like it doesn't have to be amazing for you to binge it sometimes you just have to yeah if i but if i'm not drawn into a series enough to want to binge it then Mm. i probably don't want to read it Mm. like game of thrones is on the line for me where i'm not quite drawn in enough to want to binge it but i did binge it and i enjoyed it still yeah but I don't know. I mean i'm iffy on the story i'm iffy i like i like it all Mm -hmm. i like the show but i'm like it's not my favorite thing by far. And I, I, I'm confused by people who are like so obsessed with it. I've tried a couple of times to get into the books and I finally resigned myself to the fact that I'm probably just never going to read them. Yeah. I love the show. The show is good. But I enjoy the visual aspect of it that way, which normally I'm always, you know, the book was better, guys. Yeah, yeah. That, that movie was fine. The show was fine. The book is better. But I just, I can't, <laughs> totally. I can't do that with game of thrones i don't know what it is it's a weird example where i do feel like the show is better yeah. i do like the show more than i like the books mm-hmm. the books are just a little i but like the books were just enjoyable enough for me to keep me interested yeah. uh but only just you know yeah. but it was weird i like i'm gonna read the next one i'm sure mm-hmm. and i i like think about it and i it's like a it's almost a craving you know like where i think about buffy but it's not, but it's not but it's not quite yeah. and even the show I'm very excited to watch the show once per episode, but I've never really wanted to go back and rewatch it. I have felt that despite the fact that I enjoy it immensely, I don't need to go back and watch it again. Totally. So it puts it in a different category of fandom for me. Like Buffy, Angel, I probably won't go back and watch again, but Buffy, I'm sure that I will someday. Like The Expanse, I'm already thinking about rewatching episode one or season one, even though I need to watch season two first, but we'll see. Uh, and like Doctor Who, I'm already rewatching as soon so as I many. finish watching Ugh. the new Who for the first time. I mm-hmm. went right back yeah. to the beginning pretty, pretty soon after. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but yeah, I was going to say, so Bill is awesome in season 10 mm-hmm. and Capaldi's fantastic. Okay. Uh, but I just finished it and I was really disappointed in the last couple of episodes. Uh, it just did a lot of shit that I didn't care for. Like oh. we're, we're talking about this time jumping, how we don't care for that as a plot element. Right. Um, there was like the most egregious examples of that were in the last couple of episodes and I just really didn't enjoy them. So mm. now I have this really bad taste in my mouth 
Yeah. But but I love Capaldi, so I'm so disappointed because he's about to regenerate. And I want, I don't know, I think about David Tennant, like his last adventure before regenerating uh, in the main season before the Christmas specials. Yeah. Yeah. Like when all of his companions were together, like, oh. That that's one of the most incredible, yeah. like exhilarating things that mm-hmm. I can think about seeing recently. And then um, it, this was like the exact opposite for me, where it was just very dour and not fun. Oh, that's hard. But I'm still super excited for the Christmas special. It's I can't wait for that. Hard to see a new like the closing of one Doctor's chapter in the beginning. Yeah. Of another. it's it's like pulling teeth. It's like, so emotional. I, I'm not gonna like this guy. I don't care what he does. It doesn't matter. He's not gonna be my old Doctor. Yeah. And then he ends up bringing out an element that you usually fall in love with. Yeah. Um. Totally. Even though I I wasn't really happy with most of the writing for um this most recent doctor but yeah i still have moments where i'm like yes i feel like they finally slotted him in correctly in season three like they like the first episode the premise that he's stuck at this university and he's Mm -hmm. kind of a and he's a teacher he's a professor he's a professor and he like picks up bill out of the cafeteria i mean that was great (laughs) that was such a like such a good use of capaldi as the doctor Mm -hmm. and i think a big part of my frustration with the with how the season went is that they just kind of stopped doing that eventually, you know? It yeah. felt like it felt like they were doing that as a thing for the season, and then it just kind of went away. Oh, and I'm like, well, what the fuck? Like, yeah. you set up this great thing, and you beautiful. didn't cash it out. And I'm starting to get frustrated with Stephen Moffat as a writer on Doctor Who, because I feel like he does that a lot. He mm. kind of sets up big plots and doesn't necessarily cash them out at the end. But when he does, it's so goddamn satisfying. Yeah. Uh, so, but he only has one episode left, you know? Right. Um, and I, this last season was the most dissatisfying as an arc of, I feel like any of, oh, that's rough. of, uh, of uh, Stephen Moffat's Well, seasons. he started off so high. I know, his first with season with Matt Smith. That's the Matt best. Smith. Yeah. yeah. I've, oh, I've the crack in the wall. God damn it. So I've, good. So many times. So good. Yeah. That's the that's the frustrating thing is that Stephen Moffat is capable of the highest of highs. Mm-hmm. Like he wrote most of my favorite episodes of Russell T. Davies' run he, as right. showrunner. He had and the then, good ones. Yeah, I mean like Girl in the Fireplace, uh the <sighs> library. The fucking library is so goddamn good. I know. I, I don't like Donna Noble, but I love, oh, I love the Donna. library obviously the library. But yeah. then they also introduce River, River Song. Yeah Amazing. Yeah. Who does a storyline like that? Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting because the library, without giving away any spoilers, ends in an extremely unsatisfying way. Yes. Uh, which is so, which is something that Stephen Moffat does really well on Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. It's kind of give you, wrap something up, give you an ending, make it unsatisfying, but make it feel like it had to be that way. Right. Which is is satisfying in a deeper level, I think, than if you gave the audience what they really want. Uh, but then he goes too far with that sometimes. like. Mm. Uh, like he gets, he seems to get pretty far up his own butt where he's like, <laughs> uh, I'm going to have like this really convoluted story that's going to span like thousands and uh, or even billions of years uh, where the doctor's character, like Matt Smith at Trenzalore, he like showed visible age because he was so much older, but right. he seemed like exactly the same and I'm except well, whole- old and I'm like, this is, this wouldn't, this isn't what would happen and this is stupid and I don't like it. Right. And the weird thing about that is that normally the doctor regenerates anytime something bad happens and you know you don't see one of his iterations ever reach that sort of physical age right because he just gets a new body right um but that was supposed to be his last 
incarnation. Right, he so only he's like had holding so many, on to it. Right, yeah. they set it up in the original Doctor Who that there are only so many regenerations only, only 12. Yeah. that you can have, and that was supposed to be his last one, so he was on his like fumes of existence at all. Right. He couldn't regenerate. Right. Um, which I love as a plot point, and I feel like there's like a really cool story to tell with that. Yeah. Uh, but they rushed it into something that was like literally seconds long and they skipped cram ahead it so into far. A montage. Yeah, a fuck war that. Montage. Ugh, yeah. God damn it! I ugh, yeah, it that like, made me mad. Yeah. I didn't enjoy that. But it's, but it wasn't like that was nowhere near like disliking it. You know, mm-hmm. it just annoyed me. Just I'm like Stephen Moffat, get out of your butt. But that's as <laughs> that's as far as it went for me. But this yeah. last season finale, I actively kind of disliked, mm. which was really sad for me because. I don't. I, but I don't know. At the other, on the other hand, it's made me more excited for what's about to happen to Doctor Who, where a new showrunner's taking over. We'll have a new Doctor who yeah. will very likely be female, right? Uh, and it may be a new companion, but we'll see. I hope. I. I'm not a very religious person anymore, <laughs> but I pray that it's a female Doctor. Right. If they could get totally. someone like Haley Atwell. Right. Oh my God, Haley Atwell. Be amazing. Yeah. I don't think they're going to, though. I mean, it's well, all rumors. It's all conjecture yeah. right now. What are you hearing? I'll tell you what I'm hearing. You tell me what you're hearing. <laughs> that there's... Uh, I don't even remember his name now, but there's a there's a guy um, that's been rumored as the front runner for the um, choices uh-huh. for the shortlist okay. of, of doctors, and he's just an asshole <laughs> like, who is it i can't remember okay um we gotta look it up you gotta look it up i don't remember his name he's been in other british stuff it wasn't the office i don't think but it was something else that was pretty big um, um so what i've been hearing is the front runner Matthew is something? uh phoebe waller bridge waller bridge is that her last name there are there are reports out there that she's the front runner right now that would be amazing yeah and uh, without giving any spoilers about the end of season 10 there were some lines of dialogue by the doctor himself that mm-hmm. made it seem like a female was coming. Oh, good. Yeah. It's time. Um, 50 plus years. It's time guys. I, so for, for my money, if, if the next doctor is a, is a white male, mm-hmm. I will be frustrated. That's what a lot of people are, are starting to grumble about. It's been yeah. so long. It's just like, it. it's getting to the point where it doesn't work with the character. Like it doesn't feel right. Like it makes sense for the character to to continually regenerate in such a similar way. It doesn't make sense. And we've seen other Time Lords gender swap before. Yeah, totally. The master master, gender swap. We've seen Time Lords race swap as well. Right. So to continually be just a white male is starting to feel uh, repressive. Yeah. And (laughs) And just unbelievable for, you know his experiences and what he wants. There are various times that he stated he's wanted to be a girl or a ginger or, you know, other totally. things that just has never happened. Yeah. That yeah. old, old white man usually. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Doc, David, Dr. Who, David Bradley. That's the first thing that popped up. Oh no, that's, that's the guy who's going to play William Hartnell's doctor oh, in the Christmas special. Nice. Spoilers. Oh yeah. Very excited about that. That's gonna be he good. played uh, Filch in Harry Potter, and he was uh, um, Wal- uh, Wal- Walder Frey, Frey in yes. Game of Thrones. Yes, who Walder Frey? 
who for a while I couldn't even look at his face because I hated him so much. <laughs> yeah, that's good acting, though. He's he makes great. you hate yeah. him so but, much. Yeah, he's playing the first Doctor in the Christmas special. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Doctor Who. What am I trying to look up? Rumors. Doctor Who rumors. I want to see who the... New mi- Doctor. So I did hear that there was a guy also in contention. I stopped contention? following the right word? Yeah. Uh, but, but that they were thinking Everyone maybe hates. he's going to be the companion. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, rumors about the next Doctor. There was rumors for a while that it was going to be Idris Elba, and everyone lost their minds. <laughs> yeah. That would have been amazing, but he's a little busy right now with the Dark Tower stuff. Um, oh, let's see. Two new names are in the race, Luke Treadway and Sasha Dewan. Sasha Dewan, I've seen him something before. His name sounds familiar, he... but I'm not drawing a face. Um, I think, yeah. He's Indian, which is really, which would be really be interesting. Yeah. yeah. But I still, I feel like, uh, and then I, I, the girl in this show, I don't remember. There's like a, a black girl that was also rumored who's like stars in her own show. Um, I would love to see the girl from The Expanse as the doctor. Oh my God. Who plays Dom- Naomi? Dominique something. She's amazing. She's lovely. Yeah. Um, She'd be a great doctor. Yeah, I'm not sure. There's a bunch of names that are being rumored out there, actually. So who knows? I'm not sure which one you mm. saw. But it's yeah, it was yeah. a while ago. I stopped looking at like Doctor yeah. Who, like gossip mills. After that, I was just like, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, I'll see who it is, and I will make my opinions after it's announced. That yeah, totally. I actually hate these rumor things. Yeah, I actually I avoid all news about um, potential spoilers for Star Wars Episode Eight. I just don't read that at mm-hmm. all. Because, uh, I and I read a little bit about what was going to be in The Force Awakens before it came out. And I feel like it detracted from my first viewing experience because uh, I knew too much going in. Yeah. Same same went with Phantom Menace. But nothing could save that movie. Uh, where Like, by the fourth time I saw Force Awakens, I was sure that I loved it. You know, by the fourth <laughs> time I saw uh, Phantom Menace, I was sure that I did not. Right. Um, but I've also been kind of avoiding Doctor Who rumors. And, and then I watched the season 10 finale... And because there was like lines of dialogue that made me think they were thinking of women, I wanted to see who was okay being rumored. Well, that would be fun. And Phoebe Waller Bridge is at the top uh, of the list, yeah. from what I can tell. But who knows what that means? You know. Interesting. Hi, Miles. You want to come up? Hey, buddy. You got to jump. What are your opinions on Doctor Who? Miles, Miles, are you a Doctor Who fan? Yeah. Did you like K Nine? Is that your favorite? Hi. <laughs> Last time I asked him a question on the podcast, he answered it. I heard. Really excited. Yeah, that was, and it wasn't even just like a like a yip or anything. It, it was, was like, like a, a full on word. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was totally. amazing. He was speaking Galactic Basic, and I couldn't understand him. There we go. Yeah, Doctor Who. Um, how do you feel about? Uh, oh my God, it's almost been two hours. Oh, so we you, can we can edit out some of this stuff. We can. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so you're a sci-fi and a fantasy fan. I obviously. enjoy both. Yeah, I, I do probably gravitate towards that section of the bookstore the lobbed together sci-fi slash fantasy <laughs> section yeah and so i i bounce back and forth that's so funny that you say that because literally what i was going to ask you is <laughs> how do you feel as a fan of both that mm-hmm. your two favorite genres are put in one place because i do know people who feel like that's like kind of dismissive 
um, that sci-fi should be its own shelf and fantasy should be its own shelf. Yeah. But the funny thing for me is that I'm such a huge fan of both that it's like, oh, bookstore, you know me. I you know, know what like, I want. You know I need to just grab this whole section right here and put it in my bag. Yeah. Totally. It's like they know that those are the things that I'm there for and mm-hmm. they're together and I can ignore the rest of the bookstore. And I actually kind of love that. I've yeah. always kind of liked that. I don't I don't feel bad about it at all. Um, I almost, it's almost like a compliment where you have nonfiction and you have fiction and like you kind of know what to expect just going off of that yeah but then above that there's the sci-fi fantasy sci-fi fantasy where it's like the real yes, creative is, people can read that this is fiction <laughs> but it's gonna blow your mind yeah, yeah it's totally like, this is stuff you're not gonna see in your day-to-day wanderings this is something that's gonna expand your horizon it's gonna make you think your imagination's gonna go wild absolutely this is fiction plus fiction plus <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what i'm calling this episode <laughs> fiction plus fiction plus i was thinking about calling it no jane no gain but oh, i like fiction plus better yeah, there we go i don't know maybe i'll maybe i'll hyphenate or something well okay. we'll figure it out um <laughs> yeah totally that's how i always felt but you know what's interesting is that when i am online looking for books like on the kindle store mm-hmm. that's when i get frustrated by it because i'm like there's no reason there's it's not a, a space little... issue online. There's no reason why these... Right. Like, I'm looking for science fiction. I you're, There's so many choices that I'm trying to weed through that having fantasy there also is frustrating for me because I'm literally just looking for science fiction when I'm looking on Kindle. Right. And sometimes I look... I, I'm actually actively involved in fantasy books, like series, so mm-hmm. I don't necessarily look for fantasy. Right, you know what your next book yeah. is there because it's already it totally yeah. yeah like i have to reread all of robin hobbs books so i can read the new one that just came out that's that's a big deal that i have to do it yeah. at some point one of these days we need to get you to one of the cons that she she comes she's fairly local i think she lives down in tacoma and yeah, she's right. here yeah. all the time and every time i see her name i'm like jesse needs to be here for a book signing yeah yeah she retweeted one of my tweets once nice. and she doesn't follow me oh, and it was but so she just saw it i think it was something about when i was hosting the emp event or something like that yeah uh and it was such a thrill for me Mm -hmm. it was so cool i love robin hobb i i'm not gonna i'm probably gonna reread the first two in her new fits in the full trilogy Mm because the last one came out and that might be my absolute favorite book series ever and i know i need to in in our like fantasy swapping i tried to get you to read these i read the assassin's apprentice the first one and and you were traumatized (laughs) i'm a little traumatized i don't want to give anyone spoilers but there's a lot of animal magic in this book and yeah i had recently lost my Ugh. fur baby and i was Ugh. scarred still and Ugh. i was just like i can't do this right now yeah oh my yeah. god it was awful timing it was it was not good so, but i still i have the full i have the full first trilogy and i'm gonna get to it someday when it's yeah. a little less raw it's so funny because um so <laughs> Wait, tell, tell us the story about how... Oh you know what I'm talking God. about. Okay, you have to so tell this part of the story I before tried, I can tell mine. <laughs> I read the first full novel. I read Assassin's Apprentice. And then I I gave it some time. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try. I'm going to give yeah. it a second go. I'm going to try to read the second book. And I just had them on my shelf. And like I, I normally put stuff in order. And so I didn't like double check and make sure I was reading book two. I just grabbed the next book. And I started reading it. <laughs> And I got several chapters in. <laughs> and it turns out, I was like, this is a weird time jump. 
what's going on? Are they going to ever go back and explain what happened? I feel like I'm missing an episode of a TV show. Yeah. Like some crucial stuff happened here. And it turns out I was reading book three. Yeah. It was so embarrassing, like, as a person <laughs> who prides themselves on, you know, being a completionist normally and and loving books so much. I just grabbed the wrong book and started reading it and just went, like, full speed ahead. I'm going to read this. And I didn't. It, it, I got, like, 100 pages in before. I was like, oh, no, no, what did I do? Oh, no. And now I've given myself super spoilers for the second book. Yeah. Because some serious... Because it completely rehashed the second book in the first 100 pages of book three. Yeah. Which... Ugh. Yeah. We're talking about the Farseer trilogy. So, Assassin's Apprentice... Um, what was the next one called? I don't know, because I grabbed the wrong one. The third one was Assassin's <laughs> Quest. The second one yeah, was... Yeah, it's all Assassin's something. Assassin's something. Uh, I love those three books... But then there's another trilogy of that character when he's older. Mm-hmm. And that trilogy is 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 up there with my favorite things I've ever read. And and the trilogy after has been at the same level so far. That's good. Um it's they're so goddamn good. I it's like it's like the next it's for me it was like Harry Potter good, but but more so. It was oh, like nice. a level up from Harry Potter. Okay. And the reason I wanted you to read these books so bad is because, because he has of what happens this, in the second book. Well, because he has these like <laughs> he has a magic bond with yeah. uh animals. Like mm-hmm. that's part of this character. There's two types of magic. There's one that's sort of like telepathy, and there's one that's uh and that's called the uh the skill, and then there's mm-hmm. one called the wit, which is a magic bond with an animal. Yeah. Um and then he bonds to the second two books, he has this bond with this wolf. And it's one of my favorite characters. And I know and that, that you would sold me. Like, love this wolf, you told Night me Eyes. There was, yeah, yeah. You told me there was like this great relationship. And I was like, yeah, that's yeah. This is what I need right now. Totally. But, but, but what I forgot is, is that <laughs> what I forgot is that the first book, uh, there's like tragic stuff that happens yeah. with animal bonds. I totally forgot about that. Life. And that's what like scarred you, I think, because yeah. it was too soon. Yeah. So I, I like had this. <laughs> I, I was like coming from a. A, a careful place but i totally fucked up because <laughs> uh, right. i forgot about that part of the story i, I did appreciate the writing robin hub has a good style and yeah. i'll i'll get there again i'm just gonna be careful about it yeah. next time like my third time i'm gonna do it right and <laughs> have lots of chocolate nearby <laughs> yeah it's really really good the first three there are dead zones in the books which is why they're not mm. quite at the same level for me where I'm just a little slightly bit bored. Uh, but when I, I went back and reread them all and I love like that, it still happened, but much less than it did the first time I read it. Cause there was a lot of stuff under the surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the second trilogy, there's no, no moments like that. And there's actually a trilogy that's in the same world, but kind of tangential that happens between these two. That's okay. really important to read. Yeah. Um, that I also really, really, really loved yeah. on the first read. I only read those once. It's the, the live ship traders trilogy where there's uh, ships that are oh. like made out of this magical wood and they're yeah. actually alive, that's which fun. is all I will tell you. But there's this whole like history of the world involving dragons. That's really fascinating. And, and the history of magic in the world. Oh, that sounds really fun. And all of that ties into what's going to happen in the next trilogy with uh, Fitz, who's the main character of the first trilogy. Mm-hmm. And then there was a quadrilogy after that, back in the world of the dragons that was, I think, trying to uh it's There's called the some, dragon keepers some I think. rich lore that they set up in the first book that i read of like the olden times and, yeah. yeah yeah and they still like she's she never goes back in the world she keeps going forward in the world hmm. but also revealing more about the history as she goes forward which That's is really fun. fascinating yeah. 
but that that quadrility of dragon keeper books was uh i think trying to capitalize on like the young adult fantasy market mm. so it was a lot of relationship drama okay in the first like two and a half and then it got really good okay. like the last book was great and i really got into all that sort of stuff because there's the city that they're exploring that i was mentioned in another book that i wanted to know more about yeah. and it was so cool to like get to dive into that city that's fun uh, that she's fleshed out so much of that universe yeah and then she's doing this current trilogy which is back to the original character who how will now have nine books about him right uh fits in the fool are the, these two characters that are in all nine of these books um that's and the fool uh kind of pops up in another thing which i won't tell you how because it's kind of a spoiler yeah don't um, tell me because i will read them yeah and the new oh, miles you're right. He's developed this cough. He has a heart murmur. Aww. He's 14. Oh. He's an old man. I had a dog with a heart murmur when I was a kid. Ugh. It's hard. Hi, little buddy. Yeah. Man, having a 14-year-old dog is terrifying. He's, I know. And I've had him for like 13 and a half years. Buddy. <laughs> so He's I got him at six months and yeah, I... You're a good boy, aren't you? I don't know. His breed is supposed to live to like 15. Like... So yeah. I'm starting to feel that, oh, you know, buddy. he's starting to, I'm starting to notice him like slowing down and, uh, I've never really watched like a life cycle before, if that makes sense this closely, a, f- a full, a full life cycle of someone, the, the something that I love dearly. Blessing and the curse of dogs is that we outlive them. It is rough. It like, is hard. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to kind of let thoughts about that happening creep in because, I'm trying to sort of mentally prepare because I know it's going to happen, you know? You Within can the- prepare all you want. It's still going to take you by surprise when it yeah. does happen. Even if you see it coming like a year away, it's there's no Ugh. there's no amount of prep that you can do for that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. It freaks me out. But you know what I'm trying to do is just like, I'm getting like very emotional just thinking about it. But my, my strategy right now is just like enjoy every day that I yeah. have with Miles because he's the just, best dog that will ever exist. Just make the And we're just going to cuddle every him. day. And go hang out in the park Just and do what he wants to do. Yeah, and have fun. And make sure that he's happy. And yeah, then I'll be happy. He's a snuggle beast right now. Yeah, he's like he's up in Jane's lap right now. Yeah, Miles loves Jane. So <laughs> Jane's actually dogs out a couple times. Miles is a very peculiar dog in that he really doesn't like strangers. He's a rescue dog, and he had a really rough first six months. Yeah. He never really got over that, so he's still like well like bark at a little jumpy around some people if anyone comes in the apartment he goes crazy like not he does not want to say hi he wants to kill them you know it's like a invader miles and i have a special relationship yeah he's my man but he's he totally he builds lifelong bonds that are very intense once he gets to know you so uh if anyone is around enough he softens over time except for some reason for a couple of people but who will remain nameless but you know who you are (laughs) I'm, i'm happy that you chose me buddy Thank you. Yeah. Miles but Miles <laughs> loves Jane. Yeah. Miles loves Andy. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I've I've never dated anyone who got along with Miles so well. Where like Do you have a new friend? She we were talking about how he's starting to feel like her dog also. Oh. Which I actually kind of feel the same, mm-hmm. which surprises me because I've never dated anyone where I was like, Miles feels like their dog ever. You know? It's always Miles is my dog. That's how you know that someone's worth keeping around. If they get along <laughs> with your dog, then they're solid humans. Yeah, because I feel like you just inject your own love into your dog and yep. they become a sort of walking reservoir yep. of love that yes. is that is yours. And I feel like the same happens in reverse. Like, 
the love that I get from Miles has made me more open and loving as a person. Absolutely. Uh, so dogs make you better people. And totally. if not, then you are a monster. <laughs> <laughs> and if it, it like exercises your ability to love, yeah. you know, to have a dog. Absolutely. So because he's this like walking reservoir of my own, like greatest feelings, uh, the fact that Andy gets along with him so well actually like really means a lot. That's a huge stamp of approval. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually dated my, most of the people I've dated have not gotten along with Miles. It's weird. Yeah. I, and I sometimes I think there might be a jealousy thing happening because or maybe he knows like he's he's telling you I, I don't like this person. You shouldn't like them either. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like it's always felt to me like maybe Miles was jealous of mm. the attention that I was giving that person. And at yeah. the same time. Maybe that person was a little jealous of like the love, the, yeah. the extreme love that I have for Miles. They don't um, get it. But uh, I don't know. With it's been really cool to date someone where that's not the case. And Miles is like yeah. a celebrated member of the family. You Wonderful. know, it's really cool. Awesome. I don't remember what we were talking about. I don't know. That's two hours though. That's two hours. That's, I feel like we did it. I think this was so great, Jane. Yeah, you're so good on the podcast. I'm so excited that this <laughs> happened. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This is so cool. I, I feel better about this one. I was super nervous doing the happening. Were you? Going in because I don't. I couldn't tell. I am not generally a talker. I'm a listener. And yeah. so being forced, like I hate talking on the phone because yeah. you are forced to fill the silence. Right. Otherwise, it's just a waste of everybody's time. Like, what are you doing on the phone if you're not talking? Yeah. So it Luckily, I excel at filling silence. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you do it well. There's like substance and like you, you get the conversation rolling. There's never really a well, dead point you. of... I just have so many thoughts in my brain, yeah. but only about science fiction and fantasy. <laughs> like, what if I if I try to talk about sports with someone, I can't feel silence, and I'm so uncomfortable. I, it's a foreign language to me. Sports, I don't even know where to jump in. Yeah. Like, you are talking a completely different language, and I do not understand what you are saying. Totally, but then I also become a listener. I just ask questions and say, "What yeah. is this? What is that?" Yeah. And then, and then people get animated about their passion. Yeah. And I actually really enjoy that. Like I knew this guy, Kyle, who lived at one of the buildings I worked at, who loved football. And he actually kind of sold it to me. Mm. And I started getting really excited. And then yeah. the Seahawks like completely blundered the Super Bowl. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that was so upsetting. Like the season mm. finale of this TV show made me so mad <laughs> that I think I'm out. And that's, yeah. that's sports to me. It's that's like, funny. at least with Doctor Who, I you know, the writers went in a direction I didn't appreciate, but mm. it wasn't just random chance, you know, right. it's still, I chose these storytellers to was give it? my time to. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that relationship is, it means a lot to me, which is why I really get into showrunners and right. like Michael Pillar is one of my heroes, the guy who set the sort of emotional direction of next generation seasons three through seven. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. And I feel like you are very similar and you and I have these conversations all the time. Like, well, we I, just we love storytelling. Yeah, you know? totally. That's where it's at. Like you're one of my friends where I feel like every time I've talked to you, we have talked about nerdy shit. Well, that's all I have. So yeah. if you need something else, uh, I'm I'm tapped out. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I feel like that's all I have too, you know? I, you I can have like a really I can have a really substantive politics. conversation about yeah. God, I think. Like I really love talking about religion and God from the point of view of having a religious yeah. studies minor, uh -huh. um, not from a religious point of view, but yeah. that stuff fascinates me. Going full circle, you should read the Rama series by Arthur C. Clarke. <laughs> nice. Because it, it. Look at you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're a natural. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's sci-fi plus like theology makes you think about 
yeah a little bit of what's out there in the universe and is I, there someone behind it what's going on i wrote a sort of uh the science fiction of religion of the future mm. comic book thing i wrote like seven scripts for a comic book and i started trying to learn how to draw it and i mm -hmm. drew i succeeded on the first page and i failed like it was an abject failure on the second page oh. and i'm like man i this is i can't do it i don't think i can do this it's so my life one of my life goals that i've never even mentioned i don't think maybe to you or even on the podcast before is that i have written like two i have two comic book stories that i have fleshed out and written scripts for that mm -hmm. i can't draw Ugh. and i need to find like a partner someone who to can... draw shit with me yeah. why am i not talking about that on the podcast you this should. is the biggest audience that i have this is how you're gonna net someone <laughs> oh my god i'm a fucking idiot yeah. if anyone else wants to collaboratively work on a uh, on sci-fi comic book yeah. series. Send me your artwork at sci-fi project on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, oh my God. I, that's a good idea. But anyway, what I was getting at is that I've really wanted you to come on the show for a long time because mm -hmm. uh, the type of conversations I have on the podcast are what you and I do recreationally. That's just what we do. Yeah. And I just really wanted to like have one recorded because i figured it'd be great and it is i don't it know happened. if i'll be able to go back and listen to it because i'm talking for half of the time but <laughs> yeah a lot of people tell me that it's, I, it's interesting it makes me uncomfortable to hear myself talk I, yeah. all, all i do is get a critical mind and i just i want to like bring out a red pen and just be like scratch that fix that why did you say this here that is totally wrong yeah. go back and redo it and so all i can do is get into like critical editing mode of what i just said and it's it's uncomfortable to listen to. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I, I get a little bit of that, but I also have editorial power. So yeah, you can, <laughs> you can put it together however you want here. So yeah. it's more, I don't know, cathartic, I guess, where you can yeah. make the final uh, image, what, what it is that you intended. You're the director, you know, you get yeah. to. There's so like every once in a while, I'll say something that makes me uncomfortable mm -hmm. and I'll listen back to it. I'm like, Oh my God, I wish I hadn't said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I first started podcasting, I used to try to leave stuff like that in, mm. but then I would have a panic attack before I would release the episode and I'd cut it out. Mm. So like nothing that I've ever disliked has made it on the air. Right. And eventually I kind of owned that. And I'm like, you know what? I'm editing because of that. Right. Like, That's the point. You're, yeah. It, this is, you know, stream of consciousness sort of totally. where we didn't have one particular topic. We were kind of totally. bouncing all over the place. And, Absolutely. And you don't always have time to plan for the full theme i guess or point of yeah. like what you wanted to go across until you go back and edit totally it. and if either of us were to say something that actually that made the point of what we're trying to get across less clear mm -hmm. then i would take it out and i right. i do that all the time streamline it yeah know? totally wanna... i don't but it's impossible to really get rid of content you know what i mean like in a big conversation like this if you take out like a mention of something, then you kind of get are fucked later. Right. Which I run into issues with because sometimes I cut out uh, pieces of episodes to release as premium podcasts. Uh, but I've gotten a lot better at it to where I can kind of feel if I'm fucking up the flow by taking something out. Yeah. Um, or if by t usually what I try to do is take things out to make the conversation flow better. And that's the thing that I feel like I've gotten better and better at. Yeah. Is like if there's if there's dead moments where nothing of substance is said, they don't need to be there. You know, I can just right. like put in a little musical transition and come back in. With I do appreciate something that else. part of the uh, the podcast where you insert you. snippets and music and. You yeah, know, there was uh, something relevant I, quotes like this is what we're talking about. Here it is. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was listening to the West Wing weekly, which I only listened mm -hmm. to for a few 
like like 10 or 15 episodes and then i mm-hmm. got a little sick of it i love the west wing west and i love amazing. josh molina yeah. as an actor oh. uh, i met him once and it was really fun and exciting for me that's fun uh, and he was doing a podcast with his friend i don't remember his name and they are just going episode by episode through the west wing uh and i was so excited at first but i feel like that's a, a tough that's a tough podcasting format when that's all you do like, I like to do it, but I switch it up with a bunch of other things. Yeah, it gets a little tedious if you have yeah. something that has, you know, seven seasons going through one at a time. Yeah. And just, like, who has that kind of time? Yeah, my favorite <laughs> version of it is Star Trek The Next Conversation with Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. They just mm-hmm. finished season one of TNG, episode by episode. Mm-hmm. But another one of my life goals is to do that someday. Yeah. Is to, like, if I could ever make a full-time living off of podcasting and streaming Mario on the internet or whatever I do... <laughs> Uh, yeah. if I can add another podcast to the mix because I have the time and the resources, that that's what it would be. It would be a next generation yeah. episode by episode podcast. And that's pretty fun, but that's like next level, you know, commitment. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> like, you know, that's, that's yeah. going to be a couple of years. You know? Once you, once you get into podcasting, those types of commitments become less frightening. Mm. It's really interesting. Like relationships become less frightening because I've had a yeah. relationship with this show yeah. and I've, all I keep learning is that it can change. Like every, every episode is a growth from mm-hmm. the episode before. And when I go back and listen to old stuff, sometimes I cringe. Uh, that's when I get that uh, response. Like I love right. it right when I make it. But yeah. after that, the further away I get from old episodes, the more cringeworthy they become to me. In, in a really strange way, because I'm always learning and growing as a person. Right. And I'm always saying things that I regret because I haven't learned, you know, yet. But that's that's part of the whole character growth just as a human. Yeah. Like, if you can't have that drive to be better than what you were yesterday or last week or the year before, then what are you doing? Totally. And if you can't be accountable to what you've done in the past, yeah. then what are you doing? Exactly. So I think the accountability thing is where... What it really comes down to to me is that there's still nothing on the show that I would that I regret saying. I might cringe sometimes and be like, "Oh, I don't feel that way anymore." Mm-hmm. But what never happens is uh, I never look at what I said and think I shouldn't have said that. It's always like, "I that guy doesn't know what this guy knows. This guy being me now, right. and right. that's okay because like that's he like- learned." And that's fine. Level and I'm not five embarrassed you, by and that. Now you're level like twenty. You. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I yeah. I'm not embarrassed to to grow publicly. I mm-hmm. guess is what I decided, and that made okay. me kind of more open to having a like get, getting back into a really intense close relationship with someone because it had been a while for me. Right. Because uh, that's like scary. It's hard to like well, get you yourself be, open enough for that. Exactly. You have to be at a good place for you before you can actually make a like serious long-term relationship work with another completely different set of molecules and chemicals <laughs> right, and with totally. their own feelings and history and totally. you know like absolutely you, you have to be solid foundation you before you jump off to other, totally. other platforms <laughs> and it, it's funny because like a podcast audience is like a person to me mm. like when i'm talking to the podcast listeners it's like this person that i'm talking to right which you're, is weird you're telling a story to them kind of you're you're painting yeah. a picture for it's a collective consciousness of people who yeah. all experience the same thing on this show week to week uh and mine is you know like i have i have like an average listenership i've mm-hmm. done a little bit of research and yeah. um from what i understand if you're getting around 200 plays per episode that's like an average okay um and then if you're above that you're golden like you're above mm-hmm. average and if you're below that 
you're like building up to you, that average. You still need to get your name out there and like market a bit. And, yeah, totally. Yeah. And I I jump between like like a one thirty to one fifty up to like six hundred for plays oh, per episode, depending on the topic. Yeah, and I still haven't quite wrapped my head around why. Hmm. So what I really pay attention to is like the base number. Is there like Twitter coming into like are people? I think it's Reddit. I think the big bumps okay. are through Reddit because uh, I had. Like the contact episode and the pitch black episode I posted on Reddit. And for some reason they did really well. Oh, okay. Um, and I really saw that in the numbers, mm-hmm. but like the Lyme disease episode did particularly well. Um, I think just because of the topic mm-hmm. uh, and those like the first one of, is up to like 280, I think. Oh, nice. so um, yeah, I feel like my, my average, I've like done the math and my average is around the average of right. 200 per episode, but okay. I feel like. Uh, what I want is my base audience to be at, at there. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. And I think my base audience like is between 130 to 150. That's good. Of like every single episode having that amount. Yeah. Um, but that like I probably have several hundred subscribers more than that because there's definitely people that won't listen to every episode. Right. I'm guilty of that. I, I follow you. Um, I do the whole Patreon thing. And Oh, that's right. You're a Patreon supporter. Yeah. <laughs> I thanked but, you like two weeks ago and I forgot. Yeah. And, you know, I'll always see the posts like right. this one's available and, you know, I don't do a whole lot of podcasting and I, I kind of pick and choose. And I'm like <laughs> so. super 100% like totally okay with that yeah like that's why i i assume that no one listens to every episode you know right that's just an assumption that i make Mm -hmm. because it it makes it easier for me to put episodes together because i get confused sometimes about the point of view of the audience because i don't want to repeat myself but i also have to sometimes so finding that line is really difficult for me but i assuming that assuming that every episode might be someone's first episode is my way around that that is what a lot of authors do when they write series and you can tell a good author from a bad author based on the first how they do it chapter two of something that is not the first of a series like how well do they recap do they just like previously on whatever you know last adventure of harry potter he did this right or do they subtly weave it into the the new story without feeling like you're being regurgitated to like i just read that i know what happens not everyone i don't know who would do this but not everyone starts with the first book of a series and sometimes they'll you know have to get the story caught up to them yeah, but that's you have to do it subtly, and it's also like the byproduct of that is that characters repeat their own history, yeah. which makes them feel more real to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I also have a terrible memory, so I need to be reminded of what happened. It helps sometimes, like yeah. crucial elements that you know maybe you missed because it happened in the blink of an eye in the first mm-hmm. or the previous book or whatever. Yeah, you know. something that that's something that Stephen Moffat relies on so much is like telling you something having the characters look shocked and mm-hmm. then cutting back to something that happened like 20 episodes earlier that you've forgotten right. to show you that's what it was connected to. I'm like, yeah. God damn it. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to make big reveals, respect your audience so yeah. that they, they remember some of the crucial things like that. Like, it's, yeah, it's either like make mind. it, make it known that mm-hmm. that's crucial yeah. before, you know, uh, or like get, make sure you get to know that thing well enough that you can be relatively sure the audience will remember it. Right. Um, because like if you just plant something, this is something that happened. And this is something I was frustrated with in the Doctor Who season 
10 finale mm-hmm. is that they referenced something from another episode that only happened once. Uh. But I still remembered it, but it was like, it just felt like the first time it happened was so tacked on, you know, yeah. so that they could get to it happening again at the end. You're planting and I was a like, seed, but it was obviously yeah, planted. Obviously planted and yeah. not even like, it just felt like a back door mm. for the story. That's lazy. Yeah. So I really disliked that structurally. I was trying to make a point about something. <laughs> Sorry, Pod- Why was I talking about my podcast audience rambling. size? Rambling. Um, average. Oh, I think I was talking about how I feel like uh, me changing over time is fine. Yeah. I don't remember what point I was trying to make. I took this uh, THC CBD concentrate for pain. (laughs) Works really well for pain, but it also, it like. Not good for memory. I'm discovering right in this moment right now that I'm getting very stoned. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. Well. Well, we're wrapping up anyway, so that works out great. I think we covered a lot of the topics that we wanted to touch on. Uh, Yeah. Obviously, more like I could I could talk for about books for days, but yeah. Well, we'll we'll just do this again. Okay. Let's. I mean, I have a bunch of you know, uh, like repetitive segments that come back all the time, okay. and I would love to do Firefly with you. Oh, yeah. I think that'd be fantastic. You know what we should do is we should start that either at or around episode one hundred, because even okay. if my original plan was to finish TNG on episode one hundred, but that's actually not going to happen at this mm. point. Uh, cause we're running a little behind. We're going to do season six like next month. Okay. And then it's just going to be too close together yeah, for, that's fine. They can overlap. You don't have yeah. To... So maybe, maybe I'll just restart because I've always wanted Firefly to start with like the second hundred, hundred episodes, but yeah. I could just do that. Maybe like episode one Oh one or something. We, there we go. We do it. Cause I've started to think about Sci-fi doing something <laughs> different for episode 100 and I haven't quite figured it out yet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sign me up for the Firefly. Fuck yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. This was a pleasure. This was super fun. We'll do it again soon. Awesome. Isn't Jane fantastic? It's uh, it's really fun for me to have uh, a close friend come on the show who's never been on before. (laughs) It's just such a kick for me to hear myself talking to one of my friends for the first time. And I think that's pretty cool. So I think everyone should podcast. Even if no one's listening, it's still still a good exercise in self-awareness. Speaking of wanting everyone to podcast, I got a really awesome little treat in my email box today. So Andy went back to New York after we recorded our Star Wars episode. She's there for a month and she was hanging out with one of her best friends today and they decided to record a sci-fi supplemental about Star Wars and it's adorable and I'll be sharing that with you very soon on this podcast feed. So make sure you're subscribed to this podcast and keep your eye out for the next sci-fi supplemental with Andy and Jillian, which is going to be fantastic. I always want to hear about your relationship to the sci-fi that we've discussed on this show. So anyone is welcome to submit to Sci-Fi Supplemental. That's a place for you to share your voices. I really want to keep it pretty open as far as what you can talk about. I'll just say you can talk about any of the science fiction that we've discussed on this show in any way that you want. Email it to me at sci-fi supplemental at gmail.com. Keep it under 15 minutes. And that's it. I'd love to hear what you have to say. I redesigned my website, jessemercury.com. It made everything a lot easier to find. So if you need to keep up with all of my projects, which are many at this point, you can find it all at jessemercury.com. And yeah, it looks pretty now. I'm excited. If you'd like to support this show through Patreon or directly through PayPal, links are in the description of the show notes. Next week, we're chatting with Zach Gandra, who has his own podcast, Losing Our Religion. Check it out, losingourreligion.org. He's got a fascinating story. He used to be a pastor at a Christian megachurch uh, until he left the church. 
Uh, so I very highly recommend checking out Zach's podcast, Losing Our Religion, at losingourreligion.org. Listen to episode zero. That's his story. And then Pete GK, who's been on this show a bunch of times, appears in episode uh, three, I think, very early on in the run. Uh, episode two or three or four, something like that. And there's a ton of great Seattle personalities and beyond that are on the show. They just hit 100 episodes. I can't recommend it enough. Please go check it out. And, you you know, next week you'll meet Zach. And he is a wild, amazing, beautiful man. We had such a fantastic conversation. Uh, I cannot wait to share it with you. <laughs> we actually knew, we knew in the room that we were talking so long that we were going to split it up into two episodes. And that's what happens when you, like, sit down with another podcaster. We know what goes in the editing later, so we try to keep control of the situation. That conversation just went insane. It just, like, started kind of normal and then just exploded and went to weirder places after that. And it was so much fun. I can't wait to share it with you. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Wait, oh my God, I have a surprise. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, no, I recorded myself playing guitar for you. So it's been a long time since I played music on the show. And that's something that has been very sad for me. It's been mostly because of my health. Uh, singing has actually been a problem. Just like the breath support has made me a little too dizzy. I'm very happy to tell you that today I sat down and sang for a little while and played some guitar. Uh, and it felt great, and it was just for you. So I sang the Firefly theme song for you because we were talking about Firefly in this episode. So this is for you. Thank you for listening. Stay nerdy out there. Take my love, take my land, take me where I cannot stand. I don't care, I'm still free. You can't take the sky from me. Take me out into the black Tell them I ain't coming back Burn the land and boil the sea You can't take the sky from me There's no place I can be since I found serenity. You can't take the sky from me.